And we're back. I'm James. This is the Grizz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And welcome back, Grizz fans. Yeah. Hey, yeah. James. Did you watch the game on Friday? Yeah. What'd you think? Bad. <laughs> you kind of said it last week. You told us Weber was 7-0 and at home. Or 8-0 now. Souvenir at home. Souvenir. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Seven. What'd you think of the Grizz season? It was good. What was your favorite part? Mm. Well, one's about the playoffs and one's about the regular season. The playoffs was Flowers Punt Return. We agree. We like that. We like Flowers, yeah. And the other one was Jerry Louis McGee, Jerry Louis McGee's Punt Return. By the way, actually, Flowers got one versus Monmouth. Against Monmouth, yeah. Flowers right. had kick returns. Kick and, returns, and, yeah. yeah. Yep. I Jerry like had a kick return versus North Alabama, and Flowers, Flowers had a kick return versus Monmouth and Southeast Louisiana. I like it. Hey, bud, do you have your Christmas performance tomorrow at school? Yes. What songs are you singing? Mm. Are you singing Up With Montana? No. <laughs> it's called Cowboy Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the rehearsal today. Oh. Not very many Christmas songs. Cowboy Christmas. Do you have some sort of like, gonna take my reindeer to the old town road. <laughs> 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 Are reindeer. Reindeer. It's festive. Oh, I like it. Hey, bud. Uh, who does Grizz basketball play this week? Oregon and Omaha. And who does Lady Grizz basketball play this week? I don't know either. They played South Dakota, and I yeah, didn't, didn't go look. Well. Oh, yeah, they play MSU Billings. All right. Hey, bud. Thanks for helping out. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James. Thanks, buddy. <gasps> All right, fellas. So it's a long uh, drive from Ogden to Missoula. <laughs> We've done it twice now. After losses. After losses. I was thinking about ways to talk about this game, and I was thinking about stages of analysis on the way back. Mm. Like, as you guys are processing what went down Friday night on Saturday during your drive, tell me, where were you by the time you hit the Utah-Idaho borderline? I think we were honestly... We are talking about next year. We were talking about next year. Yeah. I had Brent pull up the schedule, and we went through it and projected wins and losses and toss-ups, um, talked about transfer needs and recruiting needs. Yeah, we were... I, I think after the game... Well, first of all, we were soaking wet and freezing cold, uh, but it was... I think when we went, when the three of us plus Brad went three years ago, it was a little bit of just kind of shock because they just they put it to us in that game, and then we had to drive back that night. Um, we had the night to like process it, I guess, and so it seemed a little easier drive back because we were able to just talk about next year, and then pretty soon thereafter we got. I opened up Hulu Live and we watched North Dakota. I held my phone up and we watched North Dakota State playoff game. And then we watched as much as the Army Navy game as we were able to as well too. So, I mean, yeah. all th- all in all, it wasn't bad. I think we'd we'd kind of accepted it yeah. by that point. But 
we definitely would would dip back into what went wrong. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Luke, because we were on a text thread with some of our buddies about kind of what went wrong. And, and some <laughs> of our buddies definitely think we should have run the ball more. And I, I could be convinced otherwise, but I'm, I'm pretty firmly in the running wasn't working camp. Um, I don't know. It was, you know what I will say, let's just start from the beginning. Um, the crowd, the, the Grizz crowd contingent showed up and it was awesome. They were great. I saw a couple of Weber fans say they think it's the second largest visiting contingent that's contingent of fans that's ever been there. They say outside of like Utah, Utah State. Well, but they don't go to those. Yeah, but I mean, they're talking about in Weber. And they said that uh, North Dakota State traveled really well for a game, like a preseason game that they had a bunch of time to prepare for. Mm. So, I mean, you could tell that when the players ran out of the tunnel, they they run out of the visitor's locker room right to the visitor's section. and, And the Grizz section was behind the Grizz bench. You could tell they were pumped at how many Grizz fans were there. So that was awesome. Yeah. It's like one of those things that reminds you of just how cool this program and this fan base are. I mean, it it, it talked about just it, – it showed how special the program is uh, and how much we care about the team and the players and the support we gave them. And it, I, you could maybe wonder if they – opened well they, they that their first half some of their first half success maybe came with some of the energy of coming out the tunnel and seeing 2500 ish grizz fans uh it's out there it felt like a lot you know and of course the other thing too is well grizz fans we know how to pregame Weber fans did not know how to pregame. <laughs> In fact, I only saw one cool-looking Weber tailgate. They had a bonfire. and some... They almost fooled us because they had red canopies. We're like, Grizz fans. Ooh, Grizz and we fans. come pulling up, and they're all in purple. It's like, not Grizz fans. But don't worry. The parking lot was empty, so we picked a completely deserted spot and then quickly found more Grizz fans to park around us. Did they have a curmudgeon guy in like a gator that drove around and told you guys what to do and what not to do where we could or is that only at the grizzly tailgates (laughs) well i can just say that that did not happen in utah this weekend (laughs) okay no power trips going on no No, one no one telling you guys what like you know like hey this is a you know no dry campus nope okay it was funny though because we brought some we brought uh, packed some nondescript insulated cups because just we'd case. read some stuff of it's a dry campus and be careful, but you could really quickly tell nobody nobody cared. There was no like enforcement going on. So we rolled into town. The roads were great going down. Roads weren't bad going back, but roads were clear and dry pretty much the whole way outside of just a little bit of Missoula. We got there about two and a half, maybe two hours, 45 minutes before kick, and we were probably the fifth people there. Hmm. And so... It's kind of funny. It's like imagine a game at Washington Grizzly and you pulled up two and a half hours before kickoff. And it's not that there was just good parking. There was like nobody there. I mean, where we were parked was the equivalent of basically if we were parked in the first parking space allowable next to the Champion Center. That's how close we were. I mean, it was like... Or right under the rec center. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Someone's putting the pylons on the field like as we, you guys yeah. are pulling up. Like, <laughs> so it was, uh, it was easy to get close for tailgating. But pregame was fun because, of course, when you go to these, when you go to things like this, other Grizz fans look for Grizz fans. And so we parked and some other people 
sauce and looped around and they had grizz plates and then some people from billings and so we had people from our lee people from billings and then us and then a whole bunch of within, grizz fan pod people and, and people kept coming up they're like hey we listened to the pod and nice. we, we were tweeting out our location on the grizz fan pod account and within 45 minutes we probably had 50 to 60 people kind of in our social area and it just kept growing and growing. And so we had, we, we cooked some hot dogs. We had some beers. There was fireball being passed around. Yeah, there was probably, all sorts of spirits. We probably gave away 30 hot dogs. Yeah. You know? So um, it, it was fun. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, the Grizz, the Grizz crowd pregame pretty well. And the Weber crowd all rolled in about 30 minutes to kick. And just, they just walked right in the stadium. So, yep. Um, I will say we talked a little bit. The tailgate made, made us kind of realize that there's a fun opportunity there. And we, we, uh, we think we could do that again at a road game next season. So, I mean, it seems like the probably the two most maybe Eastern logical choices would be either Eastern or Idaho. Um, it's not at Idaho. Oh, at yeah, Idaho it is in Idaho. Idaho's here. Be more, anyway. more, more Grizz alumni would probably be at that. Yeah. Or Both of those would be. And Both part of it fun, was though. probably because there was no GSA tailgate and we'd never want right. to compete. But it was just fun to, it was fun to see everybody. It was cool. We had a lot of people. We, hey, we listen to the pod. We like the pod. We, we had quite a few and people bringing us like random quips of, oh, that one time when Mike was going to be married to Wadhead. Oh my God. It was so fun. <laughs> I mean, people were like remembering stuff too. It was like, damn. So it was, it, the, the pregame was fun getting in there. The Grizz fans were fired up. Team came out of the tunnel. They were fired up. Snow was falling. And this was the weird thing. It warmed up during the game. Huh? Well, went from snow to rain. It went from snow to rain. It warmed up five degrees and started raining, which was a bummer. At, uh, at night, on in winter, TV, it looked like CGI snow because yeah. it wasn't really sticking. No, mm-hmm. but it was coming down in front of the camera, yeah, like, super quickly. What was kind of interesting, and I don't know how it showed up on the TV, was the rubber pellets were like freezing. So it's like if you looked at the field from afar, it almost looked a little muddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was like the water was freezing and making the pellets like clob together. Like yeah. coagulating yeah. clobs <laughs> of pellets. Yeah, it was huh. weird. Yeah. Um, so anyway, pregame was a lot of fun. It was yeah. fun to see Grizz fans. I, you know, the whole first half was fun. I mean, you saw what it was. You saw it was going to be a, a battle. The Grizz defense came to play. And, Just an and absolute did awesome. slugfest. Yeah. 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 Yep. I mean, for as many bad positions as the Grizz defense got put in, you know, you can't you can't ask for much better from them. Um, Grizz are winning what ten seven ten three at halftime. Seven three. Seven three. Excuse me. Seven yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah. Our the first score is a, a Bingham touchdown. Mm-hmm. One of our seniors seven minutes into the second quarter. Crowd went went crazy. Oh, it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, and I mean, what Weber had one first down in the first half, right? Just one? Yeah. Um, they punted their first six possessions, six, seven possessions, six possessions. Um, you, f- you felt like Weber's offense was not going to do anything all night long. And uh, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, their running back, Davis, hurt his ankle again. Uh, his own player this time landed on him, a little friendly fire. And Jake Constantine was just not a threat. He couldn't. He couldn't complete passes. Which um, we talked about yeah. on the pod last week. It's like that's. I mean, that's the mo against them is try and make Jane Constantine beat you because he can't. He can't. No. Yeah. 
So 7-3, end of the half. Nervous, but feeling good because you just have this feeling that unless if <laughs> – unfortunately, the last two possessions both end in picks, but you get a feeling as long as we don't beat ourselves too bad. But even then. We should like, win the game, yeah. These two possessions end in picks. They get one field goal out of it. But the tough thing was is it should have been 10-3 to 14-3 at the half, presumably. That f- the first interception of uh, – right? I think it was the first interception. No, the second one, wasn't it? The second interception of Sneeds after Grizz have a good drive and get to – looks like the pick was like at the made at about the Weber 36. Yeah. Grizz had a little bit going. They had the pass game going. And at that point, the Weber defense was not really locked in on the pass game. Like, they got locked in in the second half, it seemed like. And Sneed – Bobby had said in the post game that the ball was wet and that might have been one of the, the ones where it slipped out of his hands. But he throws into – Double coverage and high and way too deep for Jerry where Roberts is wide open on the side for yeah, a first down. And so that, that repeated itself during the game. Yeah, and that would have been first and 10 on the 25-ish. And what's yeah. What's tough about that one to me is it was a first down. Like we'd rolled off four first downs on that drive. You know, I thought we were coming down to score again. And it's a first down play like – you know, we're. I'm not. You know, there's a lot of ways we could take this podcast, like you know, second guessing decisions by players in the heat of a moment in an intense playoff game. Mm-hmm. Probably not fair, but it was like double coverage on first down. Like, I don't know. Like, we're we're so close to the red zone. And like, you know the situation, and you know that it's just like if we get a lead on them, they're not going to come back. They're not like, going to come back. And that's the thing that kills me is it's like. It, Throwing that ball makes you see it makes it seem like we had to make something happen. But it's like, and he's looking to the right side of the field. Just look, look to the sticks, and Roberts is there open. Yeah. Like that's the one that got me. And that, and like I said, that kind of repeated itself a little bit. But um, you know, maybe now's an interesting time to talk about it. But you know, we've had some some buddies, both of us independently, have had people mm-hmm. tell us that they really think that the Grizz coaching staff made a big mistake by not running more. And I t- I'll tell you, having been in the stadium, I did not think we should be running the ball more. I mean, we were just getting shut down running. But in let's, the heat of the moment, that is what it is. Let's entertain that idea. Just just play out the hypothetical a little bit. Like the Grizz, uh, you know, they end the game with 17 rushing yards, mm-hmm. 27 attempts. Now, Bunch of Sneed gets 40, a, 41 lost on Sneed sacks. Six sacks. So, yeah. yeah, so Sneed has 11 attempts himself. <coughs> uh, loses a bunch of yards. But even when you factor out anything Sneed did on his legs, we're looking at less than two yards a rush. Yeah, Knight and Osmo combined for 33. And, and and I did some really rough math, and it's probably wrong, but it's like I, I think I counted the number of times we ran on first down. But I think I said it was 11 of 17 before the last two drives where they had to throw because we were behind by multiple scores. Yep. And we got a total of like 19 yards on those 11. So it's like, I mean, I get it, but it's like you can see why in some ways they they, they didn't do it. Now in the – all right, so I could see why you would say we need to run a little more because – you have to show balance, especially to a great defense. And Weber, you got to give them credit where credit's due. 
they have a strong defense. It's the way they've buttered their bread for years now, including mm-hmm. this year. Got to keep a defense honest, right? You got to make them stop the run, uh, th- which they had done. Yeah. But do, don't doesn't things get kind of easier on their end if they think that we're going to throw the ball just every time? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it does. I think the the argument that 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 um, was discussed with me uh, from one of my friends was not so much that it was working or that it was keeps teams honest, but it was just that we made five mistakes throwing the ball. Easy in hindsight to say that, but we were continually, especially as the game went on, seeing interceptions after interception. We weren't fumbling the ball, so, and our defense was playing good. Was playing phenomenal, and Weber was the only way Weber was allowing was able to score points or do things was on mistakes that we kept making, running the ball, putting yourself in a position to not make mistakes, and let your defense just win the game. Could have been the winning strategy, but the decision was to keep throwing the ball, where Dalton Sneed throws forty eight passes. And in, f- in fairness, though, three of those interceptions and a bunch of those passes came when the Grizz were losing. Yeah. And it really, I think, some of this comes down to, what do we say, Snead had two interceptions at halftime? Two before, yep. Two before Last half. Last two possessions, yep. Grizz are winning 7-3. And I said to you, you know, in, in some of my, you know, awesome all-star commentary, <laughs> great football analysis. I mean, I said the first drive of the second half is a big deal. Because you kind of pointed to the other side and said, if they can get a touchdown, these fans are going to go. It's yeah. going to be 14 to 3. Yeah. And they're going to be like, we can't keep up. And so that first drive, I think, mattered so much. And the Grizz just blew it. We went backwards three, six yards. And to, to, um, this is why, and, and in the conversation Luke, you and I were having with some other people, it's like, I'm not saying we should have kept doing more of the passing that was not working with Snead because clearly he struggled in between the hashes on intermediate and deep throws. Like that's where he was throwing the interceptions, the stuff out to the sides, the stuff tonight out of the backfield, that stuff was there all day. Well, in that first drive out of the second half, it starts with a eight yard Dalton Snead rush market. Marcus Knight gets stuffed for zero yards and then Snead eats a nine-yard sack on third and two, mm-hmm. forces us to punt. Like third and two. Yeah, that one's killer. You suck down a nine-yard sack. Like, is there not a check down? And that's kind of one thing that I throughout the game. It's like the O line struggled. I mean, that o, the O line struggle yeah. popped up in Big six time. sacks, but it it over and over again kind of felt like was the, were the coaches not in his ears on the sidelines saying, hey. You got to make quick decisions, and if it's not going to be there, you got to check down, you know. Or third and two. Why didn't they try and run on third and two? Like that's one area where I might be like, you guys get the first down and keep it going. And there were a couple situations where I thought like this is four down territory. Like even earlier in the game, like why are we passing on third down when yeah. we can run it twice? Um. Ultimately, though, when it comes, I think. It's too simplistic when, you know, usually in life when like things seem really simple, it's probably a little more complex Yeah, yeah. and just, you know, you look at five picks and you say, well, it's really easy. Uh, Dalton Sneed failed. 
I would I would challenge you to say like what's the more nuanced narrative, and I think it is that O line. They they struggled. Give credit to Weber. They were disruptive. Um, Adam Rodriguez had four sacks. Yeah, he he's was. there. He was on the right end of their defense, the left end of our offense. Yep, we he saw went, him all night. He went wherever Cook and Kites were. Yeah, he seemed to be. Yeah, he followed that side. Yeah. And he he set, he tied a school record, a single season or single game sacks. And if you're for Weber, if you you're sacked six times, that's intense. Plus all the times, Snead is rushed and hit. Like we know that's what you're supposed to do as a defense. Like that's your goal. You can move a quarterback off a spot. You can make him, you know see ghosts a little bit, want to pull the trigger fast. This is what good defenses do. And, and I don't think it's all, um, all Snead's fault. No, it's I, def- no I think not. any any narrative that you hear from any Grizz fan that just wants to dump all this blame on Snead. Um, it's way too simple. It's way too simplistic. Yeah. Um, one thing on that first drive of the second half is he rushed for three yards, not eight yards. So then they ran. It was second and seven, and Marcus Knight got stuffed for no gain. And that's the one that I really struggled with because those, the, <coughs> like I said, the short passes to the sidelines out of the backfield were working. And it's second and seven. You got three yards on first down, which was good. Um, I, I just I felt like that that that. Drive got mismanaged. Weber State gets the ball back. Um, starts at their own 28, right? And then they that's the only drive they had all game. Aided by a pass interference. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I looked at, in, in my opinion, even with the amount of mistakes had and um, – especially as they started to really compound in the second half. It felt to me that there was like two points that would have probably completely put this game in a totally different position. And we'd be talking about a James Madison trip. Was that second, I believe the second interception at the end of the first half where open Mitch Roberts, it's tough to say how the drive would have finished, but if it would have not ended with a turnover, it would have been a field goal attempt or a touchdown. Points. Yeah. It would have been points most likely. And then, um, Kind of midway through the third quarter, Grizz have a little drive going, and Roberts catches the ball, and it gets reviewed. And because of the nose of the ball, while the ball is fully secured and does not move, touches the ground, the video, they, they wave it off. Next pass just, by Snead is a pick. I just, I and, just yeah. you guys have heard me talk about it all year. To overturn the call on the field, you have to have indisputable video evidence like how did they overturn that what did they say on tv luke i i couldn't hear the commentary because i was in a bar Mm -hmm. um but i was sitting with some people who were there to watch the cat game before and even cat fans like we're talking about central montana Mm -hmm. working in (laughs) a like make their money from agriculture cat fans we're talking about true blue cat fans (laughs) we're like that's a bullshit call like that yeah no one, no one thought that was an incomplete pass. The announce, I, the announcers were were shocked on TV. They were they were blown away. They were completely baffled as to why it was overturned. Um, on that drive that Weber went ahead, 
they converted a third and 17 with a 32 yard pass. And so it's like, that's yeah. one of the things like we talk about, like you can't put this all on Snead. It's like, I'm sorry, but teams should never complete a third and 17 pass. I mean, the statistics of that are terrible, yeah. <laughs> but not to mention Jake Constantine, who threw for like 50 yards all game. 40, actually. You know, 32 of them right there. So it's just like right. the Achilles heel of our defense has been that passing defense, and they did Seven. such a great game, except that one thing. Like if they, you know what, if they don't give up that 32 yards, Weber doesn't have their one touchdown drive. Who knows? It's an entirely yeah. different game. So it's just, you know, we talk about how great things were, and, and we need to step back and recognize that this was a great season. Yes, you know, top eight quarterfinals. You got to recognize that, but it's frustrating in the moment because the Grizz should be playing in the in the semifinals. They should the be. Grizz should be one of the four teams left because yeah. they were good enough to beat Weber. They were the better team. They I, they they are a, a better team, but they made just there was just too many mistakes, and the block punt for the touchdown, you could see it coming. We had they had a running into the punter, which should have probably been a personal foul earlier. They came close to Wilson twice, two other times, and Bob even took the blame on that one too, and and changed something up and completely removed the block the blocker on this guy that almost got to Wilson a few times and comes clean and just bounces it right in the end zone and lands on it, and that wound up at the eventual difference in the score. Oh, how does that happen? Oh, dude? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, it makes me like really dislike weird punt formations they're called the swinging gate right like in madden football you've got one punt formation (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like punt left punt center punt right like why can't we have everyone around i don't know and especially if if they're not it seems like if they can run unblocked to the punter then someone must be open on a potential fake so if you don't have the sack to audible to the fake or if you're not in a down and distance or a spot in the field where you're going to run the fake, well, why don't you just bring everyone the fuck in? Like, make sure you block that it's guy. It's like, almost like you're overthinking it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like somebody texted me right after the game and was like, this loss is all on coaching. And it's like, again, I don't buy that for a second. I mean, I think the coaches made mistakes. Your quarterback threw five interceptions. There were a lot of things. You know, it's like, so I'm not going to put on one thing. But I am going to say, like, the cats almost blocked a punt in that formation, you know, a month ago in, right. in, in Bozeman. Yeah. Like the first almost punt. got it. Yep. And, you know, honestly, Sela almost got one. So it's like, it was clearly a thing where sooner or later, someone was going to break right. And, and Hauk said on, in the post game that, you know, he said, it's my fault because the guy who should have blocked him was instead running downfield to block. So, I mean, obviously the play call is you're taking a chance. Um, unletting the guys through but it just you know it just didn't work no and Weber doesn't have their spectacular punt return guy he's hurt it's crappy ass conditions out yeah they're gonna fair catch it they're gonna fair catch it they're they're not gonna be juking and you know like cutting wildly like it's not a punt return kick return type uh, environment like be safe I don't know this seemed like a slugfest where you don't take chances. And that one just, boy, because that just, I mean, and but what was crazy is then the Grizz go down with the field goal, then they stop them and get the ball back, and I'm thinking, wow, they're going to they're gonna win this. And it's funny because I, you know, I was on my holiday party circuit this week. I was in Helena on Saturday night, 
And I was talking to, you know, one of our employees from Bozeman who basically said he turned on the game when he got home for the last five minutes because he'd been following on his phone. And it's like, oh, they still got a chance. And then the Grizz have the ball. And, like, they complete that pass to Jerry Lou McGee. And he's saying, well, they're going to come tie this. Like, for as bad as this game is, they're going to do it. And Britt and I in the stands were like, Over time. this is going to happen. Over I actually, time. I said to Britt, like, right before it happened, I said, it's time for Jerry Lou McGee to step up and make a catch. And he does. Boom, right on there. Yeah. And we're going crazy. And then Dalton Sneed giveth. Dalton Sneed taketh away. <laughs> uh, you know, and I mean, not to pick on him alone, but it, it is it is what it is. It's like he threw five interceptions. And unfortunately, that's a narrative of the story. It's like you can't, we can't not talk about that fact. I'll, I'll say that he handled it with complete class afterwards. Oh, yeah. Which is about what you've come to expect from him. But... Oh man, that hurts. Yeah. Um, but kind of talking about coaching and things like that. I mean, here's a question for you guys. I was at another rain-soaked um, Grizz playoff game loss on the road uh, when we lost to Richmond and Chattanooga for the national championship. <sighs> and in that game, Cole Burke was granted he got beat up a little bit. He was kind of hurt, but. Bobby pulled him for three series or two series and put in Andrew Sell. Right. And then he came back in the game eventually. So it's just like, what do you guys think about that? Like, is there a point that Sneed should have been pulled? And after the fact, it's easy to say probably because he threw five interceptions. But in the game, were you ever thinking like, dude, get him out of here? No. Brent? I was because we were – Kind of suggesting it as we were watching the like game, even but for a series or something. It, you think about if Marcus Knight loses a fumble, especially in the fourth quarter, Marcus Knight's day is done, and it's a lot tougher if it's your quarterback and your signal caller. But Cam Humphrey had proven himself, and to be able to play in these type of situations and lead the team to wins, and so if the concern was. If the concern was that sit him out for a few, let him get his head right, or if it's because you could see this when Sneed was running the ball, because we kept thinking he got he kept getting hurt when he tried to dive because he'd just kind of fall on the ground. It's like if it's a mobility issue, Humphrey's going to be able to run a little bit better. I'm not saying Cam is better than Dalton, but if it's give him a few reps to just get his mind right, I mean, it's in again in hindsight, but it. But it's obviously one pick, two pick, three, four. It's like we're just going to keep doing this. Yeah. And, and so there could have been some control there, where maybe coaching staff could have made a decision, even if not a permanent game time decision. Like you're you're done, you're out. You're. It, but they, they didn't change anything. They yeah. didn't start calling different plays. They didn't start. I mean, it just. Yep. You know, and at the end of the game, they had to pass. So yep. it is what it is. But the tough thing is, like, I can understand why they wouldn't. I mean, Dalton, Dalton got us here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, he's your—he's the unquestioned leader of the team. Like that's what I think it is. Is Dalton is the leader? He is, and he is. I think that I don't think the coaches would put in a quarterback who wasn't ready for the moment. Like I, because we're playing at such a high level. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, we're the one of the last eight teams. Right. Like Weber is one of the last four teams. This is an elite defense. Do you remember when Cam Humphrey got us in a 10 zip, 10 zip hole against Idaho? Uh, yes. yes. And then yes. we decided 
Maybe uh, we won't rest yeah. Dalton Sneed for another week. But so that's an interesting topic you bring up. Is is should we read more into this? Cam Humphrey's a junior. Let's talk about this in a second. Okay. <laughs> I think that the the storyline with keeping Sneed is that the game is still close. You know, like he has two picks at the half. Um you know, it's a one possession game still, like whatever. We can weather this storm. Our defense is playing well. Um you gotta kinda, you know, take the picks for also like the big touchdown ability, which could be a big factor in this. Like you don't want to throw in your backup who may or may not have what it takes. Like what I saw from Cam Humphrey and what I think we've said earlier was the game still comes, I think, a little fast to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a game where, like, it came fast to Dalton. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? Give someone who sees the game slower? And, like, and, and let's not kid ourselves. Like, Weber State would have blitzed the hell out of Cam Humphrey. Yes. I mean, they would have thrown looks at him that he's never seen before, right? Like, that's not the position you want to put your backup in. Um, I think the game is still close despite all the picks. You're still within reaching distance despite all the picks. Um, I I mean, listen, my UPS guy came in today talking about how we should have pulled Cam. I mean, <laughs> people are talking about it. I don't think we should have. I I just think you got to ride the horse that, that brought you here. Cam is good enough to take us to the final four. Like, he wasn't the sole reason why we lost that game. Like, we pick up a few extra blocks, give them a few extra seconds on a number of passes. This is a different game, like right, like our, the ref makes a different call. We stop at third and seventeen, yep. like yeah, even with all those mistakes, I all mean, those my. mistakes. And then now I'm saying, like, wait a minute, I'm going to second guess the head coach and the offensive coordinator, of which have like over fifty years of coaching experience <laughs> between the two of them. Like, I don't know, man. I I think that they probably end up ended up making the right call to keep him in. I mean, it's like, it's the thing where it's like, if you're winning or you're within a score, you're going to stick with the guy who you think gives the best chance to win. And that, I mean, like clearly they think it's Dalton. So, I mean, it, it's just so interesting after the fact to kind of think about it and compare it to, you know, things like, cause Cole Berkowitz was a senior when he got pulled in that national championship, but it's like Cole Berkowitz, and we've said it before, he wasn't the quarterback that Dalton Sneed is as an athlete. Yeah. And I just wonder if the distance between Burquist and Sell is a lot closer, closer. than. But that's know. what I'm saying. Like, you know, and it, it, topic for a little bit later in the pod when we talk about next year and recruiting and things like that. But it's like, you know, is do they believe Cam Humphrey's the guy? Yeah. Brent's, or Luke's thrown around the beer. I just, I just, that one's going to be shook it up. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're <laughs> Didn't explode. <laughs> Dent in this can. Oh. All right, yeah. I'm gonna crack the. Um, Just put your mouth on it real quick. The beer Jesus. that isn't shaken. <laughs> the beer that didn't get dropped on the floor. Uh, my, my, that was an underrated funny joke by Mike. He goes, "Just put your mouth on it really quick." That's what she said. However, the beer, the beer I'm opening is, is a, that's, that's what she, what she said. said. Yes. By, you know, cream ale by Droughtworks. I'm glad that you caught that. <laughs> so that was, that was next level funny, not all the oh. listeners would get. <laughs> um, anything else on the game itself? 
Not so much. I mean, the, it, it, the, loss, the loss hurt, but I think, and we're going to move into this, but I think if you step away and look at the body of work of the season, it was a really good season. It, it, it was it, the last, the loss, whenever you lose, if it's, if it's the, regular, the last game of the regular season in the playoffs or the national title, if it's a loss, it always hurts like hell. And especially when you come away from a game like this where you know it should have been your team that should still be playing football. But it's the way it goes, and I think um, – I, I, I hope, I believe that this team's going to be able to build off of that and get better uh, in the years ahead, that this will be fuel for them. And, you know, it was it, – it, the other fascinating observation, and this is something we've been pointing out through the last few weeks, was that the Grizz had not played a close game yet this year. And so it took their – 14th game of the year to actually be in a close football game. And so while you can't control the outcomes of other games, like you're not, if you're up 28, you're not gonna be like, Hey, give them a couple quick scores so we can get some, you know, some tight close game experience. But it was just kind of one interesting casual observation that has to be made is that this team did not really have a lot of experience of, couple minutes left five minutes left down 10 scores with six seven minutes on the clock go get it go win the game and I know Mike like last week you said they'd played games where they were behind in the first quarter behind at the half and stormed back but of course there's a lot of lot more time in front of you and it's not a losing losing you're done type of situation so I think hopefully that this type of situation is a good experience and something to build on for all the guys that come back. But it was just, it was, it was something I kept kind of pointing out is that it'll be a fascinating thing to see once this team gets put in a tight game, five minutes left and down a score or two, how they're going to perform. And against Weber in the rain playoffs at night on a Friday, there was a lot of factors there, not just, Oh, it was close. And so they, they choked or whatever. I'm not saying that, but it was just something where this is the first time this year they had to play a tight game where they were down late because uh, all their, their other losses in the fourth quarter, the game was over in the fourth quarter is when the Grizz were down, you know. So um, that, that was just the kind of interesting thing. I mean, it's the way the season rolled out and didn't have a lot of experience at it and unfortunately might have played into it. Think about our losses this year. Lose to Oregon, pretty decent football team. Lose to Sac State on the road. Who wins the Big Sky. Who wins the Big Sky. Playoff team. Lose to Montana State on the road. So One of the finals. four remaining teams in the, in the mix. Lose to Weber State on the road. One of the four remaining teams in the mix. Yeah. If you would have told me after... If you would have told me when Bobby was hired, like day one, press conference, Mike and I, we're, we go to it, right? We went, yep. Um, Bobby Houck's going to be 16 and nine after two years. I'd say we play 25 games in two years. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is amazing, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think people have said it. We're not the first to say it. We're way ahead of schedule as oh, a yeah. program. Yeah. And all of this playoff experience, I think, especially the last two rounds, gravy. Oh, yeah. For all these young recruits. And do you know what I, I think about a lot is 
Like that last home game versus uh, Silu. 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 Swamp people. I hope someone's from there is still listening to us. She's like, damn it. But I think about the recruits that we were able to bring in for that game to witness playoff atmosphere and an absolute butt kicking in Wagriz. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, this is what builds programs. This is what builds momentum for the future. So I am super jacked about this year. Disappointed, absolutely. But there's a lot to look forward to. There is. There really is. And I just... In terms of the game, uh, these guys built a lot of experience, and I think you can you can even look further back to the CAC game where Bobby had told us that he had to insert a lot of depth guys who weren't really ready for the moment uh, or showed during the game they weren't ready for the moment. Well, they got the experience, and now they know what that moment is, like not just seeing it on the sideline or seeing it in the stands, but playing it on the field. And so now they know what they need to build off of. And, and that Weaver game, that playoff game was – just another example. The, both the playoff games were so. This is going to help, and it, yeah. it sucks like hell. I want to still be. I want them to still be playing football too. But you talk about building yeah. blocks, though, and it's like, you know, this team loses some big seniors, but not a ton. When you look at the participation of who played what and etc., you have got quarterback, got a couple other positions we need to replace. But the rest of those guys are going to go into the off season knowing that they should have beat one of the semifinalists and they should have been in the four. So it's like, how do you respond to that? And the other thing you mentioned about kind of building blocks is recruiting. And um, we probably talk about this more later, but there's this little bit of this narrative that's floating around um, that because the cats made the semifinals and who knows how far they're going to go, that it's so clear cut night and day that the cats are programs better than the Grizz program. What? And it's like, I get the Cats to beat the Grizz four years in a row. And yeah, the Grizz have a, some things they need to do. They need to get better on the offensive line and defensive line to beat them. Mm-hmm. But you tell me that there's any recruit who's being recruited by both schools whose mind has been changed by the fact that the Grizz only finished in the top eight this <laughs> year. And I'll call bullshit. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I, like, if, if the Cats were making the semifinal run and the Grizz didn't make the playoffs. That'd be Panic one all you want, yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like the Grizz are going to finish ranked six in the country, most yeah. likely. Yeah. So, well, and one thing, uh, what early signing day is this week? Correct. So our coaches right? have, or Wednesday, Wednesday. So our coaches have the next 48 hours to make sure they got everything locked down. Where those cat coaches are, you know, prepping for a game. That, that's. <laughs> I'm sure we're in a silent period, and, yeah. and they can't. Reach oh, out, really? But, Damn it. Okay, never. But mind. I do Don't wonder if they recruited this weekend. The game was on Friday Attention. night, so it's I, like, did they go? Because they got a big recruit in Utah. In the midst of this recording, we got a three-star uh, verbal from an athlete out of the Seattle area. Hey, so, take that. Um, yeah, we're we're doing fine. So speaking of recruits in Utah, uh, fun story. So after the game, yes. you know, we take forever in the parking lot to get out, and we're just sitting in my truck warming up and you know digesting what happened. Oh. <laughs> digesting all the leftover hot dogs yeah <laughs> it's Britt and i and our buddy lance with us and so we find a mexican restaurant um to uh, uh go you know whatever it's open late because game we didn't get out of there till like 11 30 mm-hmm. um and we we pull up and you know a couple weaver fans are in there when we're eating and stuff like that and they're chatting a little bit you can tell they're kind of surprised at where they're at you know but then we're walking out 
and this group of younger guys kind of holds the door open for us and and they say something like nice game or something like that and and Brent said something like oh you guys beat him next week and the guy goes oh no I'm a Grizz fan and it was this young guy and he's like oh really you're a Grizz fan he's like oh yeah my boy plays for the Grizz and we're like who's your boy and then so I'm looking more at the group and it's kind of three smaller guys and then one big dude wearing a Utah Utes shirt I don't yeah. know if you notice that yeah and their boy is Moses Mallory who's from Utah and they were just like, no, 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 Moses is our boy. And nice. Brent and I are just like, oh, we love him. It's our favorite player. <laughs> we're like, we love how he just it. lays on people. And they start laughing. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. fun. It's just it kind of one of those, like, Grizz Nation things. It was kind of like, you know, you just you just ate a big turd sandwich with the Grizz loss. And then uh, we went to a Mexican place that was out of beans. and uh, Questionable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways. But, yeah, then we're, like, walking out and we go, like, catch up with these guys that went to the game to cheer on Mo Mallory and it was, so and we had Herman, a Utah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think when, how, how many years of eligibility does Mo have? I think just one, one more, one or two I more. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it now says senior on, Oh man, they update those fast. The Grizz roster, <sighs> man. So I was thinking in the era where, um, athletes may start to be able to make money off their likeness. Mm-hmm. I wish Paul's pancakes I was say. would get a pancake <laughs> named after Mo Mallory. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mo Mallory selling some pancakes. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> oh, man. But you could tell they were really excited when we knew who he was. Because, like, when he was saying the name, like, I think you could tell, like, they're he's an offensive lineman. You go, like, we were like, oh, no, no. <laughs> we know him. We know him. We know him. We like him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we were fans after the game. We're pretty excited but i'd say for the most part outside of the lady that like hand checked mike um seriously she could play fullback on their team which what you you got hand checked well it's like all this stream of grizz are leaving the stadium and this weber fan just apparently felt like they uh <laughs> didn't need to give up their space to walk so it's like there's this whole group of people walking and she's like got her blanket in front of her and she's got her arms out like she's doing a charge in basketball and she just fucking Barrels, man, and I like turned around, and the guy behind me is laughing. What is this lady's problem? And it was all just like, I don't know. She didn't. She didn't turn around. Anything. She just kept walking, and it was you like sweep the leg, Mike. <laughs> you do the heel kick on her, you know, when you're walking behind someone. <laughs> no, I did not. No, I did not. Uh, outside of that, though, I, we were fans. Outside of yeah, we were right by the student section, so they. But students are students, you know. Students but are students. Most of their fans were were pretty good, pretty gracious. Um, yeah, go ahead. Their players though can fuck. Okay, off. so one of their players. No, a bunch of them. Like not a bunch of them. I should take that back. But the Probably bi- the five biggest or six. shit talker was Jake Constantine, Jake which Constantine. is like, dude. You are you were the worst guy on your team. On the so the Grizz, the Grizz visitor section is right next to the student section. Right. And so they, they come over and sing to their students. So the Grizz really, the section couldn't really leave Stuck. because they're all down and they're singing. Well, all these players are coming over right for after the handshake and they're looking right at the Grizz visitor section, you know, 3,000 people, and they're doing the tear look with their hands like, and they're yeah. waving goodbye. And it's just like... Holy shit, guys. And fine, I can handle it. I can handle it. And then fucking Jake Constantine of <laughs> 70 yards passing. <laughs> you win the game. I guess you, you, you know. You're going to do it. It's what Andrew Schmidt would say. Yeah. The best way to do it is to beat him. Yeah, I mean, I just imagine there's probably 
1,000 college quarterbacks out there that could replace him and no one, wouldn't it be the wiser? Again, I'm talking about NAI quarterbacks, like maybe even some high school quarterbacks right now could have done the job he did. Like, screw off, I'm pretty sure that Chris Brown is a better quarterback than Jake Constantine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I probably shouldn't have used the F word to describe the the players. I apologize for that. But it was it it was like one of those things where it's like, guys, enjoy it with your students. Like, why are you mocking the visiting section that's just there to support their team? Just to be there. Yeah. Yeah. But we were fans, especially once we got out and in the parking lot. I mean, I, I you guys got to your truck pretty quick, but I got a lot of high fives and a lot of handshakes and people saying, I mean, obviously you're feeling good. Your team's off the semifinals. Not a lot of trash talking from, from most of the fans, it seemed like. so. And uh, their addition on the north side of the stadium where when you were there last time, it was wide open. Yep. They now have this training center that they've added in. It's, oh, I thought you were going to say seats. And I was like, no, would they add definitely, seats? Definitely not seats. <laughs> they, didn't need, they definitely don't need more seats. It's called the Sark, Sark Boys something or other. I don't know who Sark is, but um, or his boys. But um, it, it it's a decent little stadium. I, I mean, it, for big sky levels. <laughs> um, I don't know. What would you say, like third or fourth best stadium in the conference? Well, And I know that's an indicator of the low bar that the conference is, but you have the two Montana schools, and then what would be... Would I mean, I guess I really haven't been to to Davis or Pauly. So I, really I was going to say, Pauly's looks nice on TV. I wanted to stop at the um, um, Pocatello. The Holt Arena. The Holt Arena and, yeah. and just you know throw the ball around a little bit, but Brent wanted to go home. so We had a, we had a big breakfast in Pocatello. <laughs> Mike, it'll never surpass my disappointment last year when we went to Idaho. And we didn't stop at Laser Quest in Spokane. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. Because the year before, we went to Eastern Washington, and we stopped at Laser Quest. Luke is very underrated at Laser Laser. Well, it was my first time playing. I was so excited, and I I placed pretty high. I was I was really excited about that. I don't want to brag about my finish, but so the next year we go to Idaho, and people are talking about like. Yeah, let's go to Quest. We're gonna stop at Quest, and I'm all like, I'm getting hype on the text chain. Like, yeah, I'm gonna spend a hundred bucks at Quest. <laughs> well, we we're going, we're buzzing through Spokane, and we miss the Laser Quest exit, right? And I was like, wait, guys, we're missing the exit. There's Quest right there. Like, you can see it from the interstate. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you talking about? I was like. Laser Quest, dude. We're going to Quest. And they're like, no, we're going to Quest Casino. (laughs) (laughs) So I just sat there all skulky with my hands in my pockets while the big boys gambled. (laughs) Listen up, Grizz Fan Pod fans. If you guys ever want to go laser tagging, hit me up. It's so fun. I had two dreams the next week about laser tag. Oh, man. That's rough. Amazing. Oh, man. Um, All right. Let's talk more about the season. We can shift away from this game. Um, We sat here and and picked the schedule, and I think we thought the Grizz could make the playoffs. But I don't see any way where if you 
had told us when we were sitting at this table in August recording our preseason pod um, that uh, we'd be in the final eight in the quarterfinals and we'd be anything but satisfied with that. Right. I'm I not going to go back and listen, but do you guys remember what you guys thought at the beginning? Like, yeah. What did you think? Nine. I had us at I had us at eight or nine regular season. I said I, I said on Eager is originally seven or eight, but I could talk myself into nine. I think I thought that best case scenario we would go into Cat Grizz, and it would be a winner goes to the playoffs scenario. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. So whatever that whatever that, that win loss record would have been, like it was like we're gonna have to beat the Cats, go to the playoffs. Yeah, and I, you know the miracles of technology. I put this in my post game write up on Egress. I grabbed the thread where five or six pages long, and the predominant guesses were six, seven, or eight wins, and six were not in, seven probably not, but maybe eight. We get a first round game, and then that's off to North Dakota State to die. So, uh, not a lot of people were saying top 10, bye week, win a home game, quarterfinals. Hardly anyone was saying that. So, I, I think we were, we were picked fifth in the, in the polls, right? Mm-hmm. Hot Take Nate voted us, voted us eighth uh, in the polls. Never let that D-bag forget that. <laughs> I, I don't um, intend on it. <laughs> so uh, we we started the season unranked, I think, in some polls, and so it's like I think this Grizz team vastly outperformed what people expected them to do. And the 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 kind of the, the tricky thing with it is also preseason. If I if anyone said, "Well, you're going to lose to Sac State," people would be like, "What? Why?" And then you would not only lose to the Cats, but you would see the Grizz get their ass kicked in a fashion that most of the fan base has either not seen or cannot recall the last time they did see. So there, there's kind of that flip side of it as well, too. And I think that's where sometimes people, you can kind of grapple with it. And so it'd be, it'd be kind of interesting. Flip the script. Say Weaver beats us in the regular season, and then we beat the Cats, and then we have the same playoff type run. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't think there'd be a single person that'd be like, this was having a, a a yeah but yeah yeah you know blah, blah, blah. so i mean i think the big the big kind of thing that just still kind of stinks about it was the way the brawl went down so but i don't think i don't think it means it's a bad season this was a great season for the grizz i yeah there's no other way around it and you know you can you can make fun of the the rtd and all that stuff but it's like how took over a program that had been in the playoffs for two years. And granted, they in their last game in each of the two years could have made the playoffs, but they didn't. And one of the things that was so clear Friday night at Weber against the Cats a few weeks ago and in games we struggled is we were decimated on the lines yeah. when help came in. And you can fill a lot of things with scheme and you can fix a lot of things with, with improved coaching and attention to detail but you can't create depth on the lines overnight. And even this year, it's like, you know, we've got in our two deep on the O-line, we've got a, a former walk-on that almost didn't play football in Kainz. We've got a former quarterback converted to O-line. Our center has played four positions. You know, there's a lot going on there. So it's like 
I'll be, it's going to be interesting to watch the line and see how these the redshirt freshmen that didn't play as much, but also the true freshmen who were redshirting play next year. Because one of the things that we really didn't see as much of as I had thought we might is some of the younger guys actually getting playing time. Yeah. But I think that part of the reason we didn't is because the Grizz did better than Bobby expected. So you really didn't get a, you didn't get to rotate as much. You had to. I mean, you play to win the game. Well, I think about how much playing time Dylan Cook got as yeah. you know, as the guy Mike was talking about uh, a transfer who was a quarterback who happens to be like six six three hundred pounds. If we don't get that guy, if he just decides to stay in Haver and play quarterback or mm-hmm. stay with the program, you know, we probably see a freshman. Yeah. Yep. And our season probably looks a little differently. You know, like there we had some unexpected guys step up. Um but it'll be interesting to see when Bobby's able to recruit dudes who were Stud linemen in high school have been stud linemen since they were like sixth graders, right? Yeah. Always the best on their team, always the best in their conference, pulling them in on scholarship, and then watching them mature into the studs of the big sky. Mm-hmm. Like When we can get five of those dudes on the team, it's reasonable to think we're going to run the ball against the yeah, Weber State. we'll do a little better. And and that was something that an observation that I had pointed up and uh, pointed out in a write up that I'd put together was, and I, it's different programs, different perspectives. But Jay Hill didn't get to the playoffs until his third season. Jay Hill did not get multiple wins and long playoff runs until his fourth and beyond. You know, Bo Baldwin at Eastern Washington, won the national title in his third season and then missed the postseason and then in his fifth, sixth, and seventh had much more sustained long runs. Jeff Choate in his fourth year is having his first long playoff run. We're in Bobby's second year. And so and, and we got to the quarterfinals. Um, Bobby's first time around, yes, he got to the national title game his second year with a whole bunch of guys that were were either transferred in or brought in by the prior staff. And then, you know, we took a step back in 05 and then had to really, especially through the conference and then there forward from 06, his fourth year and on, was able to start to have that first in-conference dominance and then further on. That's a good point. So you look at a lot of these things and, yeah, like Mike says, people are people are making fun of the, the RTD, return to dominance. And it, I think... Maybe we got fooled a little bit because we had we've had some rapid success this year, and maybe that was kind of something we saw as well in two thousand four as well too, where Bobby had a transfer QB and Craig Oaks and a lot of skill players from a prior coaching staff and was able to make a good run. But I think this time around, unlike the past time, he's not going to keep plugging in a bunch of one year, two year transfers, which at that point got him in a little bit of trouble with some of the guys that came in in that stretch of that 0506 type era and he's building he's building it from the ground up and so you're going to have we're going to have D-line and O-line starters next year that are going to be sophomores and they'll be better than they were this year when they're freshmen but they're going to be damn good the next few years after that when they're juniors and when they're seniors and so that's like what's being built and where it's going and the fact that we're having this kind of success with some of these guys that are so young right now it really is only a good sign moving forward and that, that's what makes me really excited about this is it's like 
it took other other coaches. I think a lot of people in the conference right now consider Jay Hill one of the best. Jeff yeah. Choate one of the better, and which is weird to say, but I mean he's definitely enjoying a lot of success right now. Uh, and Bo Baldwin right now this season. Come on, yeah. Mike, you shake your head. No, I'm not. Uh, I mean, he's enjoying <laughs> success this season, but I'm sick of people saying that Hauk isn't in the top four coaches. No, he absolutely guy. is. Give me he a absolutely break. is. Yeah. And so, but it's like, but you can be a good coach, but if you don't have the roster, you still can't do that, that much. You can only take it so far. And that was, and especially with O-line, D-line, because we had new coaches, new systems, new philosophies. Flugrad was going to go quick and light because we needed to go, 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 go. And Delaney, what, we're going to peel it back and we need the big, the big mean guys, but then, oh, no, now we got sanctions. Oh, shit, now we got to slow this whole thing down and we got to really parse this out. Yeah, but Delaney and then, was terrible at recruiting. And then Delaney, like, and then you have that aspect as well, too. <laughs> and then we got a guy that's now a high school uh, principal is our offensive coordinator and O-line coach. You know, these kind of things like that. And then it's like, okay, then Stick comes in. It's like, wait, wait, no, we need light, we need quick. And, oh, by the way, hardly any of you are actually getting scholarships. So, you know, bring in whatever. So it's like this philosophy kept changing and changing and changing. And so we're only two years into it. So like, and, and what they've been able to, the guys they've been able to improve and build up like the angel Villanueva's, um, Cy sermons and these guys that have, have really responded to and built off of what's been, what they've, what's been instilled with them has been great, but it's like these waves, especially in the trenches, these guys are still so young of the guys that this staff wants to use that they know will be able to win them games. So yeah, better days ahead. And, and that's the encouraging thing. If we can, if we can get this far with patchwork with some of our young guys continually starting to become more and more contributors, it's only going to get better. And that's what I really like about this. We had a bunch of Grizzlies set some milestones this year. Mike, where do you want to start reviewing some of these players? Well, I mean, we talked about it last week, but Knight set the touchdown record. Yeah. Uh, one over rushing yards, and total. Um, rushing and total. Um, in Quietly in the game against Weber, Teray became the all-time single-season leader in receptions and yards receiving. So he has 85 receiving. Or no, he had 1,495 yards after grabbing 85. Yeah. I mean, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's favorite Montana linebacker, uh, Dante Olson. Dante. A Dante. Dante. <laughs> um, all-time career tackles leader, yeah. which is just freaking incredible. He better win that damn Buck Buchanan. Here's the thing. like, Do you guys remember, do you guys know whose record he broke? Vince Huntsberger. And, you know, Vince is obviously famous for... The only defender to get a Heisman vote, or the only FCS right player to ever get a Heisman vote. Heisman vote. Yeah. I mean, I I wasn't very old when this when this happened. I mean, I was old enough to you know know who he was. I've met him before, but I almost think Dante deserves a Heisman vote, <laughs> right? Smart I don't know, student, yeah. great in the community. He's got the. Uh, the academic Heisman, he knows, yeah. right? Like yeah. he's on that list too. Like, yeah, but know. you can make that argument with a lot of deserving people. Man, like I, just, I, I, I just, I think I, this podcast deserves the Heisman of podcasts. 
we're definitely in the top 20 to 25. Yeah. We are the biggest and best podcast in the state of Montana. So there's that. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Okay. Take that. Um, <laughs> so we saw Dante uh, break total and season, correct? Yep. So um, Flowers broke season uh, kick return yards. Kick return yards. Jerry Lou McGee had career reception yards broken. Yep. No reception totals. No I, reception yes. Yards. Yep. Correct. Correct. Uh, let's see. Toure had both single season catches. He passed Joe Douglas for the it, number of catches in a season. In single season. And then passed. passed Mariani. Yeah. And then, yeah. So. Um, the thing that I think is crazy. I mean, we're kind of bouncing all over, but Dante averaged 13.2 tackles a game. In just two seasons. Two seasons. As a starter. He had some special team stuff as a sophomore. Yeah. 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 That's nuts. Yeah. It's going to be... We're we're talking about Dante. I'm going to preempt a question that I saw. So, he's going to get a pro shot. And the question is, I think the question came to us is, do we see him getting drafted? And if so, where do you see him going? Yes, I think he gets drafted. I think four, five, six, somewhere in there. Yeah, I think it's later because you don't, you don't have to draft him early because you're an FCS player, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I think just being from the FCS almost immediately drops you around. It hurts. Maybe two. Um, Tell that Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there there are exceptions. exceptions. There are exceptions to this rule. Dante Olson in the NFL Draft Scout is listed as the 16th best interior linebacker in the draft class. Boy, that almost makes me think six or seven. How many How many interior linebackers get drafted every year? A bunch. I mean, the 3-4 is a little bit more of a popular used defense now, so a lot of teams need two guys in the middle. I think the big thing that's going to depend on him, because I remember we all thought Caleb McSurdy was going to be a 4-5-6 draft pick, and then he goes into his pro day and he runs like a 4-9-40. And I think he was a – was he drafted or was he a free agent pickup by the Cowboys and had a pretty short, pretty short stint in the NFL. But I think – Dante has shown on the field really good game speed, but I think that's going to probably be his next big test because the body of work is there. And so if he can come in and just kill it on a pro day, um, you know, run a four, six, four, six, five, something like that, then I think he's that kind of fourth, fifth, but I'd venture maybe a six, seven, just because you get knocked on being a small school kid. But I think he's drafted for sure. I like it. Last year, um, the 16th rated linebacker was Micah Kaiser from Virginia, and he was a fifth round pick. Plays for the Rams. Look at this crack investigating from <laughs> the research staff here at Chris Fan Pod is impressive. And let me see. We don't even here. have producer Jerry checking stuff on us. Yeah. Really quick. Um, yeah, there is not an FCS linebacker in this list. Hmm. And they list the top 28. Well, there you go. Interesting. We will see. Um, 
a couple other records. We I mean, we're probably going to miss one, but uh, with his field goal, Purdy is now the most accurate field goal kicker in Grizz football history. Yeah, and I assume he, he got a medical redshirt last year and is coming back next year. He's listed as a junior on the yeah. roster now. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, because he didn't play all last year, and in the time we're thinking, how is he not beating out Semenza? But now yep. it kind of makes sense. Yep. I want to add someone to the uh, watch list for a record, uh, maybe career and season. Uh, redshirt freshman Alex Gubner intercepted four passes in 2019. <laughs> the most by Grizzly since Matt Hermanson in Hermanson, 20, Hermanson in 2014. All right. So you, I think for that, a year, I think Gubner got snubbed without even getting an honorable mention DB uh, <sighs> Sky Conference. They they missed they made a, a position for Troy Anderson yeah, in the All on. Conference. Like, come on, guys! They missed an opportunity to have a little fun with that. Yes, like they, they should have flirted on a tweet, like they're thinking about him or something, right? Like that would have been fun. That's wild. He just needed to score a touchdown, and that would have been even better. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Record-wise, I think that was the most of it. But um, I feel like we're missing somebody on defense. But we'll we'll correct it. We'll, I don't have the stats in front of me. Oh, Robbie, Dante also broke the Big Sky single season record with oh, the East, Eastern oh, Washington sorry. guy. Yeah, sorry, that was what it was. That's okay. What it was. Okay, cool. Anyway, you cool, were gonna cool. say Robbie? Robbie Houck. Where's he at in the in the career? Like ranks, do we? I don't have that in front of me, but I can that's find, that's I something find, to keep. What an is eye it, probably on. gonna be like two twenty or something like that, right? Like I he's mean, gonna be within sniffing distance if he if remains he, a starter for two more years. Exactly. Yeah. If he remains a starter in this system and keeps doing what he's doing, he I I can't see how he wouldn't shatter that record, right? He was a um, second team All American defensive back for Hero Sports. Yeah, they um. Hero Sports announced their All-American team, and um, there's some notable uh, absences on their list. There, there are some notable absences, but there's also... Um, so Robbie has 224 tackles in two seasons. So he's on pace to have 500 and... Sorry. Yeah, five, <laughs> 449. And how many, how many tackles? Did, what's the record? Three... Three, Dante said it right. Three seventy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> so conceivably, he could have a ridiculous year and break it next year. He could as a junior, maybe. Um, yeah. I doubt it, but probably. Um, so first team Hero Sports All Americans: Samori Tori and Dante Olson. Second team: Robbie Hauk. Third team: Marcus Knight and Jerry Louis McGee. Yeah. Most Hero Sports guys in the Big Sky. Um, I always put more more credence in the stats FCS All American team that's announced a little bit later. I think the Hero Sports guys do a good job, but sometimes I feel like maybe it's not quite as diverse. Yeah, yeah. Dante finished with three hundred ninety. Suck it up. Tackles. That was the beer you dropped. Second week that? in a row, beer issues. The beer that that Luke tried to dent and break. Uh, <laughs> Spilled all over his Billings Royals shirt. Which, why do you have a Billings Royals shirt? Um, I played on a the Montana, North Dakota All-Star team. And we played at Cobb Field. And I stole this from the innards of their... <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I like it. Stole when I was 18. Still fits like a boss. I, I'll take it. Still I'll fits. Take it. Um, 
Anything else on the season we want to talk about before we kind of jump into like recruiting in next year? No, I, I, I think season-wise, uh, I don't know if I got much more to add. I think we saw some great stuff. We bought, we beat two teams that were ranked in the top five when we played them. Um, this was that we were the fourth toughest strength of schedule mm-hmm. in all of football, in all of FCS football. This was a successful season, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of fun games. So um, we just got to yeah. get a higher seed and get us some more home playoff games because I enjoy them. Yep, same here. It was good to have the playoffs back. It's good to see that they're they're building something. This team, and we're going to slide into this next. They got some holes they got to fill, but they got a lot of spots where you're really encouraged by what's uh, what's coming up. And the other thing that I'll that I, I don't know about you guys, but what surprised me, it looked like all the seniors graduated this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like you always kind of associate guys are going to finish up in the in the in the spring, but based upon the tweets from the team with. It looked like most there were, most all their there were double digit. It looked like most all their senior classes. I thought it was got a their pretty cool thing for them to like play on Friday and and get back for the commencement and be at yeah. graduation yeah. on Saturday. So I, I special yeah, and so I mean, and that's that's the other thing you kind of you know they're student athletes yeah. and um, a lot of guys getting degrees. And that was good to see. Kobe Eaton, Josh Egbo, Justin Calhoun, um, Jerry Lou McGee, Dante Olson, Kadeem Hemphill. Um, David Fika Vika Angel Villanueva Dalton Sneed Brandon Purdy and Cy Sermon all graduated on Saturday yeah Egbo is just a junior too yeah so is Purdy yes so in theory those juniors could transfer uh oh Purdy don't go yeah or Josh he's not going (laughs) says they're majors too here Brandon Purdy management and entrepreneurship hey all right I won't go through these all. It doesn't seem like exciting pod radio. <laughs> um, Sounds like we're back at a graduation commencement. Yes, we are. Um, J- Brandon so Purdy. Other interesting thing management, is, oh man, um, let's step into the next year. You want to talk about recruits first? You want to talk about what we think our needs are? I mean, let's talk about the needs. So more on the drop down side, or we need people to step up. In no particular order, we need a couple cornerbacks. We could use a safety. We could use some linemen on both sides of the balls. And we need a quarterback. Not saying that those are all necessary starters, but for either to push a starter or depth. Jesus, Mike, what else do you need? (laughs) I I mean, I don't know that that we need linebackers. Maybe we do. I don't know. Yeah, like what position group didn't you name there? Well, but I mean, we graduated a bunch of guys. I said that we could have young guys step up too, like uh, Nash Fouch. I'm not saying that everything is. See, I think, I think we probably have the starting safeties covered. Okay, fair. They're on the roster. I mean, Fouch will presumably be the guy that comes up to take over Sandry's spot. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Gavin Crow returns. He's a junior. Game. I thought he was a senior. Gavin Crow will return. Oh well. Assuming Can Gavin Crow play cornerback? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but so, yeah, I'd, I'd put up like a little, like what I'd looked at was like a two deep. And you look on the offensive side, so obviously Cam Humphrey is going to open winter to spring as QB1, and we've got this Robbie Patterson and Chris Brown. It would be nice to have another 
guy in that junior sophomore kind well, of mix. How I believe said when he came here this time around that he likes to have a QB for every class. Yeah. yeah. So the Robbie Patterson, the JUCO kid, is going to be a sophomore. Humphrey's a senior, so you got to think they're out there trying to find another upper class quarterback, like a drop down to play yeah. two or something. Yeah, is that kid's real name Robert Pattinson? His his <laughs> Twitter says Robbie Patterson, but uh, if you want to play that out, we'll find out. <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> I mean, it's like running back. We're set. Osmo and Knight, and then I mean, everyone returns. Turner and and we've Eastwood got a commitment and- from a. A guy that well, two running backs that excite me in different ways. Yeah, um, there's a guy from California, Xavier Harris, who yeah. looks like the real deal. And then we got the Asher Croy or Coy. Well, three, yeah, because then Jackson Lee from yeah. Sentinel High School, who's yeah. also. It's going to be interesting to see where he pencils in, but he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, wide receiver. This is going to be kind of the interesting thing because I think a lot of people, we just assumed Sulcer was going to just come up and take over Jerry's spot. After especially open. this Weber game, I'm putting I'm putting Roberts out there. Roberts ended up with over 400 yards receiving on the yeah. season. I mean, that's like I don't know how we don't have Roberts. I mean, and he, you know, there were he made some awesome catches, and he was damn close to making a few others. Yeah. in the last couple of games, yes. so it's like you got to think that he pulls a few more of those. It's like we talked about it. He's got that clutch factor. Yes. There's not a lot of guys on this team right now that feel like they've got that clutch factor. Agreed. And he does. Yeah. Roberts is definitely. So if I, if I were to pick my three starters, obviously you got Sammy and Samore. I'd put, I'd put Roberts up and then your next three guys in Gabe Sulcer, you can bring in for what he does best, you know, sub him in and out, put him all over the field. And then, of course, see if Malik Flowers can start to get some looks. And then this uh, this kid they, they start kind of using at the end of the season. Um, what's his first name? Last name is White. Keelan White. Keelan, Keelan White. White. They start using him a lot, get some of these young guys in. Yeah. What about Garrett Graves? I know. He was definitely playing he, some, some he, slot. He had a great catch in that <laughs> week. He had a great catch. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Garrett Graves Back is someone heel catch. that they need to get on the field. Like, it's funny because I would have never thought receiver is where he needs to be, but they need to get him on the field. Maybe that's why Crow plays cornerback is maybe the maybe the safeties are Hauk, Fouch, and Graves. Yeah. Interesting. You know, so well, but Robertson's yeah. got to be in there too. Plus Robertson, plus a young guy. Yeah, like I think, yeah, yeah. Maybe he is a safety or a wide receiver. I don't know. I, I, it's I, there's just not a good position. I'll bet we see Graves at safety. That's my bet. What about linebacker? Put some weight on. I don't know. I feel it could be. It'll be. He's the guy. It's like we just. He all I know is gonna, he needs to play. He more. could play linebacker. <clears throat> I think he could play almost any position on the field. I agree. Except cornerback. Tackle. No, he might be able to do cornerback. DT. Put he would be That's quarterback. Quarterback <laughs> is one that I'm a little bit less. So, wide receiver, tight end. Obviously, Bingham graduates, but we've got Rensvold and Deming. And, and, um, they were playing Cole Grossman out there a little bit, weren't we? We played Grossman a little bit, and then we had a we have two young guys. Elwell? Um, yeah, Elwell. Freshman, Elwell. Elwell, and there was another guy, too. So, it feels like the roster is there. Hopefully, we we kind of we lost Rensvold for the season in fall camp. So hopefully, back and strong at it next year, or maybe get an extra year. The other thing that the coaching staff did a really good job on is they for the guys that they did rotate in as true freshmen, 
they got some guys that got some legitimate experience. Yep. Gorin, you know, Ilwell is another one, yep. Yep. a couple yep. other guys. So, uh, yeah. And Keelan White was he was he a yeah. freshman? Yep. Yeah, that's yep. another he guy. Played yeah. His four so, games. Yeah. Um, O line is going to be the fascinating one because, and this was something we talked about a little bit on our drive back. So, Cy Sermon and Angel Villanueva graduate. So we've got two guys in the middle that we're going to need to to step up. This year, they had rotated a handful of guys because Cordell Pillins. Nice, Cordell Pillins had played the uh, multiple spots on the interior, and then um, um, I don't have his first name in front of me. Ganong uh, was another guy that was being used quite a bit as well too, and so. It seems like, and of course, Mallory returns as a guard as well. So having to figure out that interior with guys we have, it, it feels like it should just be my bet. What I was saying to Mike was, I'm going to guess one of the two, Ganown or Pillins, is going to be doing center. We'll be snapping the ball, and the other will just stay at guard. The interesting thing, we talk about drop downs and needs and things like that. If we could only get one drop down, and the trade off was he'd be a, you know, all big sky, but then we couldn't get feel any other positions. One drop down, I think I'd take a left tackle. Yeah, I mean, and it's not a pick pick, but it's like I really think that because then we've got enough depth on the other tackle between those those three guys. I think we could fill that. We could even shift one of them inside. I just think if we could get a tackle a legitimately talented tackle to add to that room, that would make so much difference in our offense. You wouldn't take a cornerback? Well, I mean... Because here's the... the here's th- another argument. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I just think that, like, the the notion that our tackles aren't going to get any better from this year to next year is, I think, wrong. Mm-hmm. I think... Fair. Um, <clears throat> but we're losing Calhoun. Yeah. We are. I think I I don't think we have an answer for that. But if you told me that we had starting cornerbacks that were going to get better mm-hmm. from this year to next year, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty good. That's, no, that's, that's I mean, pretty good. We're gonna have we're gonna have tackles that get better from this year to next year. Yeah, to me, it's a toss up because I mean, it's like you get a cornerback that can shut down half the field, makes your pass rush better. I mean, it. it yeah. I think Mike's point though is what were the what were the, what was one of the biggest glaring issues in our three FCS losses? It was that our O line got their ass kicked by a physical D line, destroyed, and we saw that. And so, that's a good point too. And, and so, and that's I think the tackle jobs are going to be very interesting because you have Cook, you have Kintz, you have Beaver, and you have Anderson who played a little teeny bit as a younger guy, and then a couple other true freshmen that are going to be available, but Bobby really doesn't like redshirt freshmen on the O-line if he could avoid it. So how's that going to shake out? And that's the position where will it just be, will it be Beaver and Cook again? Will Kainz make another step and be ready to go? Will they finally determine that Anderson or some of these guys that will now be sophomores are ready to take the reins? So that's going to be a position where 
Like they got the guy. Like on the interior, I just feel like okay, Pillins will be ready. Gnau will be ready. We've got Martin as a center as well too. We've got other big guys. We've got the Blomendahl kid. We've got other guys coming in. I just feel like interior O line, the guys are there. They'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. The edge, the two tackles. It's I just that's going to be one of the biggest things to watch to see if that progression is made because if our tackles are still swinging gates against the Weber States and the Montana States and the Sac States of the conference, which granted we don't play as many of them next year, but come playoffs, we're going to see these big physical, fast, uh, aggressive D lines. It's going to spell trouble. So that's going to be a position where I just, you just need to see that progression. And it's not saying that it's not there because I remember this summer, I didn't think we had a lot of good solutions at running back and Marcus Knight and Nick Osmo definitely proved my belief on that wrong. So that's going to be one where it would be fascinating to see how it goes. I am really, really excited for the growth we're going to see in Beaver and Kynes, actually. Do you think Kynes gets his job back next year? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can see it. Yeah. I, or, or he moves in. Oh. Or he moves into guard. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. He's got the size. Yeah. I think he could play guard. I think center is a is a position where if you're intelligent, you know, if if you mm-hmm. you have some experience, you don't have to be huge to right. play that position. That's, that's interesting cuz it's like I think I you're onto something there maybe. I think it's or like maybe a, not. I think it's like a one like everyone moves one seat to the left or you know whatever, mm-hmm. one seat to the right. Beaver becomes a tight end. <laughs> Mallory Mallory's a right tackle. Yeah, I, I kind of think we have the experience built to where we could like patchwork together, align with a lot of a lot of depth. It's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, and it's like the good news is, is, I mean, the two guys that are graduating, you feel like their heir apparent is there, and they should be able to, within reasonable expectations, step up to the role. I'm not saying that. If it's Genong or, or Martin or whoever is going to be just as good as Sermon as a center, but you have to think that they, they've bred it, they've bred the guys up and have them should have them ready to go. So defensively, the D line is going to be the the I mean again it, the trenches right and most everybody returns except Jesse Sims. Mm-hmm. Jesse Sims was the the human strength of the D line. Man, that dude is a I said. A bunch of times. He's a Viking. Yeah. And so this was kind of funny. After the CAC game, I exchanged some messages with a Grizz player who played in the 04 national title game. And he said after that game, there was a stark realization that you can't just have one super strong dude on that D-line. And it's not saying that that Governor and Alfred and, and, and these other guys in McGoran and Mamula and Babros aren't strong, but they're not like that Jesse Sims type of guy. And so that Grizz team then moving forward brought in four, five, six different guys that could be a plug-and-play rotational type Jesse Sims-ish kind of guy. And so next year's D-line, you've got Governor, you've got Alfred, you've got Deming, you've got presumably McGoran and Babros and Mamula. All, all coming back. I'm gonna guess there's gonna be a big focus on putting on some some weight by way of strength and muscle and bulking these guys up a bit more. Uh, so, 
Yeah. yeah. You know, I think Jesse Sims is a special player. He is like 280, and he's not just 280. He's like a fairly lean 280, super strong. I mean, he works at the failure sport specific. Yeah. You know, he like lives and breathes strength training. Sure. Believe it or not, strength training isn't the passion of every collegiate athlete. <laughs> it's his passion. Like yeah. he he's he's all about that. But it's realistic to say that you're like players are gonna put on ten, fifteen pounds between one year and the next when they're this age. Right. I mean, we even have uh, like Cole Rossling, hell in a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. we met his parents driving down to the game. Uh, really? We yeah. Did. It was fun. We had a great trip. Like, that guy is already 260-something. Yeah. Like, you know, he he could put on 10 pounds. Sure. Shit, tons of strength. Like, I think we have guys who can be 80 to 90% of Jesse Sims. But what excites me about our defensive line is the explosiveness on the edges. Yeah. Like, we have some dudes who can get after the quarterback. If we have guys like like Alfred, maybe Rosling, who can plug up the middle, maybe we get a, a drop down or a transfer. Yep. Like I think this team is just a couple pieces away from being ten percent better. Yeah. If you're ten percent better than you know than this year, you're a top four team in the country. Yeah. You'll like it. So um, I want to circle back real quick to to team performance real quick, and then I want to talk about um, signing day because that's Wednesday. But um, Frank Agola at the Missoulian had an article out just talking about wrapping up the season, and he had all kinds of things on, you know, who set record, records or things like that. Um, the And this surprised me a little bit. Montana set a single-season record with 196 passing first downs, set, which broke the old record of 188 set in 2004. Um Grizzlies' 351 completed passes and 544 pass attempts are both single-season highs. Hmm. Uh, Montana had 336 completions in 95 and 503 attempts in 92. I don't know, though, if those ones count the playoffs or not. That far back? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, they don't for individual players, so I don't otherwise. Um, Just missed the first down single-season record. Um and just off of the Big Sky Conference record of 537, which is their record. Um, Dre is at 2,488 career receiving yards, which is the eighth most by a Grizzly. He needs 534 yards to top the list. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, 47 touchdowns from Snead are the sixth most in school history. Snead's 6,159 passing yards are the eighth most in program history. And his 267.8 passing yards per game are the third most behind Drew Miller and Dickinson. Hmm. Oh, kind of like yeah. that. Yeah. All right. So signing day is Wednesday. Yeah. Um, it's always hard to really know what signing day means. But they seem to be doing a good job. They've got 15 verbals, which makes me think that the majority of their um, signing for the year is going to happen on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, Hopefully. You know, these are basically tracked by a couple guys who 
who pay a lot more attention to recruiting than I do. Egris has a list, and then there's another guy on Twitter who does some stuff. But some of the highlights, um, the Robbie Patterson, the Jugo quarter, quarterback, uh, Carson Rostad's quarterback from Hamilton. We talked about Xavier Harris and Jackson Lee, who are two running backs. Um, tight end and Eric, Eric Barker. Uh, three-star. Three-star yeah. from Oregon. Tight end wide receiver Matt Simpkins from Butte Central. Got to like that. Um, O-line, D-lineman, 6'4", 260 from Rockin, California, Kevin Good. Another O-lineman, Brandon Casey, who's 6'6", 260. He's from Sandpoint, Idaho. I believe he is one that has been offered by Oregon State and somebody else in recent weeks. So if we sign him on Wednesday, I think that's a big get. That is, yeah. He's still committed as of now. He committed early, too, it looks like. Um, Wide receiver slash cornerback Drew Deck from Glacier High School. Um, And uh, wide receiver safety Guido Acello from Butte Central. Yeah. then a D lineman, Journey Grimsrud. There's some great names in here from Huntley Project. So lots of Montana kids. Chase Johansson, or Johansson. This is the Utah kid I was talking about, Park City, Utah. Had an offer from Weber, committed to Grizz last week. There you go. Gotta like that. Linebacker Asher Croy. So interesting. Oh, they have, He's going to be a linebacker. That's what this list says. Now, who knows if this is accurate or not? Asher, High Asher's the running back from the Bozeman Hawks who ran. Yeah, it came over yeah. from Huntley as yeah. well, too, right? So, you know, this list is just fans reading the tea leaves. So who knows what the coaches actually think? Um, a quarterback, this is a great name. Ojo So. A U T J O E S O E. Do you know what stands out to me about that, dude? He's a 6'2 cornerback. Take that all day, every day. I cannot wait to root for Ojo So. And then breaking news, uh, just just a few minutes ago, Brent announced it, but uh, Rishi Daniels, a safety, 5'11", 170 uh, pounds, Seattle prep, three-star. Yeah. All right. So if these guys sign, that's that looks like a pretty good recruiting class. That's a good-looking class. And so they – and on the top of this, it, it pointed out, that uh, we have 17 seniors and so expect 25 to 25 to 28 new faces based upon what this this guy here on Egris is saying and this is let's see 2 4 6 8 10 12 14 15 so this would probably take into account that who knows you always get some signing day surprises but um what's the uh, what's the verbal Verbaled elsewhere that means they've committed somewhere else yeah the Grizz offered but or, we've or offered them somewhere else yeah Okay. Um, really quickly, anything else on the remaining playoffs? I think JMU is going to beat Weber. I think the Cats have a chance against NDSU. I think the Cats have a better chance against NDSU than than Weber has against JMU. Oh, I agree yeah, with that. Absolutely. I don't. I think. I don't know if Weaver's going to cross midfield on JMU unless if JMU hands them the ball on that side of the field. Unless if they suddenly have some great awakening in their offense because I don't know if um, their running back's going to be full speed or even able to go. <sighs> I don't know. I don't. I can't see Weaver being able to do much against that James Madison defense. I think, I think the Cats' strengths, O-line and D-line, match up well, and their defense has blown really well lately. If, if you've got a strong interior line, offensive, defensively, you're going to have an ability to cause problems with anyone. So we'll see. 
Yep. It'll be interesting to watch. Should be good games. Um, anything else before we jump into listener questions? Yep, good to go. All right. I've got Twitter up, so I will start right now. Okay. Well, um, Chris Hammond, our, our buddy from the Tubs of the Club, Idaho, Idaho Vandal podcast, says, Cam Humphrey, the best heir apparent to Sneed, or would you prefer a high school recruit, JC, or FBS transfer? So we've kind of talked about this a little bit. I think next year's starter isn't on the roster right now. That's I, I mean, I don't mean to knock Cam Humphrey, but just I think Cam Humphrey is the opening day starter. Okay. I think that's the most probable scenario. I do think there'll be competition though in spring. I don't absolutely. Bob, Bobby will this, it'd be interesting to know, has Bobby ever not had a competition? Maybe well, he, Craig Oak Sr. He handed the job to Dalton Sneed, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> Get over he was it, there. Mike. I was oh there. God, God. Get over this. <laughs> <laughs> with with this uh with with this kid coming with this JUCO QB coming in this spring, that will be interesting. Because uh, his highlight films it's exciting. He looks good. And so this could be the same thing we saw two years ago. We were all like, well, it's crash, it's crash, it's crash, it's crash. He's got the job, don't worry. He was starter last year. Here we go. And you could immediately see that Dalton definitely knew what he needed to do to get into the better favor of Bobby and <clears throat> took it from there. And so will this be a similar thing? Will Will Cam Humphrey be able to be that outward leader that Dalton is on the field, uh, take control of the huddle, take control of the team. I think that will be something the coaches will really be looking for from him. And if he can do that, then he'll he'll take this job and he will be day one star. Uh, if he can't, if this Juco kid, Robbie, comes in and pushes him, we could be looking at the same thing two years ago where we end spring camp not really knowing and then fall camp we, we see the writing on the wall. Okay. It's what also you, possible there's another drop-down QB who we don't know about. Precisely. What do you guys – I'm going to give you a hypothetical that you have to accept the premise of, and you must choose one. Would you rather um, be clamoring for hump day all year, <laughs> like all season next year? Every day is hump day. Or Come like on. put up with my endless Twilight memes with Robbie Pattinson? <laughs> If I have to put up with your endless Twilight names with Robbie Patterson and he establishes himself as a three-year legitimate starter here, I'll take it all day. <laughs> you can text me every day if you want. I am finally like hopeful that I read those books for a reason. <laughs> Boy, you read those books, huh? There's a backstory. All right. All right. All right. All right. You're very well read. Um, Matt Colby on Twitter asks a very similar question. What's QB situation with Steen now leaving? Are we comfortable with Humphrey taking the reins? Yeah. Um, I don't know that I am or not. I mean, Humphrey played well most of his audition. Um, I don't know if he's as versed. Oh, we'll find out. We'll find out. We felt the same way about Andrew Sell in 2009, and they even brought in um, – what the hell is his name? The Oregon kid. Um I'll Roper. Roper. Overthroper. I mean, Overthroper to come in and, and, and pressure him. And then they split starts for a little while. And, yeah. And then it, and then Cell finally grabbed the job. So I mean, even last year at this time, we said Dalton Sneed had to get better. Yep. And he got better. 
You're done. Cam Humphrey needs to get better. Yes. If he can get better, I think oh, yeah. we'll be okay. And but... he's got a great arm. I mean, great arm. <sighs> Man, yeah. And I will tell you, on the QB thing, I still... Chris Brown has a hell of an arm. He does. Like, I just, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a full offseason. It's probably not realistic that a redshirt freshman can push for the starting job in a Bobby Houck system. It just doesn't seem likely. No. But, boy, that would be cool. We've already talked about that. (laughs) Uh All right. Uh, Jonathan Claxton asks, did we get our answer as to how we handle close games? Regardless of how everything went up until the final drive, I still thought Dalton would lead us to the end zone. A tough time of year to lead your first drive of that magnitude. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. Brent and I definitely thought he was going to lead us to the end zone. Um, I don't know that we saw how they handle close games as much as we just saw kind of a crappy series of events roll out. Yeah. I mean, I think that... The fact that Snead threw an interception on the last drive had more to do with the fact that he threw five in the game and we were just confused him than being overwhelmed by the moment of a close game. Yeah. Um, Taylor Kallenberg wants to know, do you think you've ever drank milk from the same cow? Taylor, what the hell are you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Um... What? Who? So if we go to Reddit, Reddit says that most fresh milk is sourced within 50 to 100 miles of where it is consumed. Within 50 to 100 miles, uh, there is usually some sort of, source of sourced amount of dairy farms. Milk is usually transported then in large tanks where the milk blends together pretty much, right? So the chances are that we have probably drank milk from the same cow or at least in some sort of blend or some sort. Uh, most definitely... Uh, is a possibility. That's weird to think about. Wait. It's, but, it, but, is, it, but what it points out is that so cow's milk is mixed together. So, so is every gallon of milk every, from the same cow? No. no. So what it says is every Just glass of milk, every glass of milk will have milk from a thousand or more cows. Well, then definitely. Hell yeah. I didn't know that. We're cow's milk Eskimo brothers. <laughs> Oh oh yeah, we are. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Eskimilk brothers. Oh my Eskimilk brothers. We're Eskimilk yes. brothers. Eskimilk this is what I have brothers. to deal with. The Got Milk posters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want. I want to picture the three of us with the milk mustaches, <laughs> and it just says El- Eskimilk Brothers. I think, I think we need to have oh Taylor, uh, who's asking oh. us this question, Packer fan, by the way. Oh. We, need a, we need a media artist to make our dumb memes, <laughs> but we're all Eskimilk Brothers. Eskimilk Brothers. Um, <laughs> moving on, our buddy Brian Morso from the uh, Tubs of the Club, the Idaho Fan Pod, asks for our 2020 Big Sky football coach hierarchy. And I'm going to say we're going to hold this question for an off-season Ooh, pod. That's we a can, good question. We can put more discussion yeah. into it because I think there's a half-hour conversation on this. Yeah, Agreed. I want to do some research so on this. So let's flag that and remind us, but I think that that's, a, like that's one that we can talk about. Also, I want to see who gets fired, too. <laughs> um, Eric asks, what's the pod's predictions for NDSU-Oregon game next year? Better than the Grizz did in Eugene this year, similar, or dare I say, an NDSU win? I think similar. I think that the NDSU run of upsetting uh, FBS teams is slowing down a little bit. I also, and this is going to be 
controversial, but most of NDSU's wins against FBS teams came against shitty Big Ten teams. Iowa State, yeah, Minnesota like, when they didn't win anything. And not to say, you know, it's like at Iowa State playing in Oregon, you know, with FBS-level athletes on both sides, a different story. But if Oregon's offense moves the ball at all, NDSU's not keeping up. No. So, I, yeah, I also think that Oregon is so much better. Like, the top 25 FBS program is so much better than a top 10 FCS program that if Oregon wants to beat you by 30, they'll beat you by 30. If they want to beat you by 50, they'll beat you by 50. And they're going to beat you by 30. They're going to beat the Grizz by 30. They would beat Carroll College by 30. Like, they're just going to win securely and, like, put their subs in and do vanilla shit. Yeah. Um, Curtis Wallace wants to know: Have contract negotiations broke down with between Chris Van Pod and Mr. Titleist for return guest appearance? Um, yes, they have. Yes, they have. In that we haven't offered him a contract for a return guest appearance. So maybe if he keeps being nice, we might consider it at some point. It's rough. Listen, I like Mr. Titleist. <laughs> I don't know why we haven't offered him a guest return appearance, except we just, there's more of you we need to bring on. Yes, there is. And we clearly like to talk the three of us to fill three hours. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Luke Rounds asks, what round do you guys think Dante will get drafted in? We already kind of talked about this, but Luke did the research. And based on his research, I'm going to say five. Round five? I, I was thinking maybe six, but I'm thinking five. Oh, man. Four would be awesome. But. Four would be awesome. He's such a good athlete. Like, he's the type of linebacker NFL teams want because he's quick enough to go sideline to sideline, and he's we've seen tough enough to fill a gap. Um, maybe four. Think upside four. Man, it's going to be interesting to watch. So, Max Harrison asks. 11 and 0 next year. Looking at our schedule, it sets up perfect for another playoff run with home games, especially starting in the top 10 in the polls next year. Um here what I would say is if the over I think you have to set the over under for wins next year at 9. Like I, I, the, I think the Grizz should win a minimum of 9 games and then there are two toss-ups. I are we prepared? Do we want to run through the schedule right now? We've done it before. We could quickly run through it. I mean, let's not hold ourselves to our picks, but. So here's. All right. I have it up. Okay. Um, we start Central Washington in Missoula. Pisses me off. When? Um, yeah. We don't, we don't like games where we play down. Then we play Missouri State. Who in, won one game last year. In sure. Springfield. They've won one game. In 2019, should, this team should beat. Them. We should win that game on the road. Then we play Moorhead State. FCS win uh, in Montana. Uh, we'll win that one. Cal Poly, Bo Baldwin's first year. I think we win that one. He hasn't had enough time to really put together. He could throw some tricks at us, but it seems like the Grizz should win that game. So we go into Eastern Washington on the road. That'll be a tough one. Four and zero. Grizz Fan Pod will probably be there. Um, First toss up of the year, I think. That's a top. That's a coin flip. 
Then we play Sac State at home. Again. I mean... I think we win that one. I think we win that one by the same token of I was confident of picking us to beat Weber at home going the last year. I just I think at home, they got exposed a little bit at the end of the year. I, I think we win that one. Yeah. Funny enough, I think if we lose at Eastern the week before, we have a better, better chance <laughs> of winning at home versus Sac State mm-hmm. than going into Sac State 5-0. and All right. Then we go to Idaho. Again, Grizz fan pod will probably be there. I kind of want to go to both those games. I mean, those are easy road games. Um, I don't know why we lose that one. We sh- we should as as uh, well. I think I don't know if he said this publicly or not, but he um, more so is not sure who their quarterbacks. Are gonna be. I'm not going to say what he called the quarterbacks. <laughs> then we host Southern Utah. We should probably win that one. I would like to think. I so. would hope so. We go to Northern Colorado. With the fighting Ed McCaffrey's. Oh, man. What a mistake that I just don't is. understand that hire. <laughs> we should win that game. We should. We will win that game. <laughs> um, then we host Northern Arizona. No, no we, we go, go to, to Northern Arizona. Oh, you're right. You're right. God, I kind of want to go to that game, too. Um, We're going to be in New Orleans. Maybe. What? Realtor Conference. Con- convention in New Orleans. Jeez. I know. Why do you need conferences? At least it's a, <laughs> the at least it's a the field game. is not changing. <laughs> <laughs> what? Boy, you sound like people. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not going there right now. Uh, all right, so we go to Northern Arizona. Um, again, I think we win that one. They don't we have should. Case Cookus. I mean, we should. We don't know who their heir apparent is. And then we host MSU. And there's your toss-up. There's your toss-up. So we have three. Two, two, to, two, two to three, two three, three toss-ups. Three toss-ups. Toss Eastern Washington. There, sack, sack here, MSU, MSU here. here. Yeah. So that's eight and a half games on eleven game 11 schedule. Games we got, yeah, th- two to three toss ups. Yeah, I yeah. think eight and a half. Eight and a half, nine, you, nine and a half. That's probably where you'd set it if you're Vegas, right? You're eight like, and a half or nine. Yeah, eight and a half or nine and a half. Yeah. But eleven and zero. It's possible, though. That's the thing. It's like, that's a very possible type of record. Yeah. Hell yeah. So is Hell yeah. seven and four. Hell but, yeah. yeah. Get your season <laughs> tickets today. Yeah. If you can find it on the website, <laughs> don't even get me started. Yeah. So if you buy season tickets, we get Central Washington, Moorhead State. Jesus. <laughs> Mike's. <laughs> My phone keeps Mike blowing is up. Hype. <laughs> <laughs> Got a weird Spotify. I don't know what there, that right? was all about. No, it was an ad on the Missouli. <laughs> but yeah, you get so if you if you get season tickets here, we'll get really like the highlight games. Obviously, sack for all the wild, you get yeah. sack. You get MSU. Cal Poly, Bo, Bo Baldwin's return. That'd be interesting. Morehead like, State, come on, Morehead State. People I mean, there's are there's always it. a team that surprises, so it's like who knows what's going to be like. But I think the takeaway is like the Grizz should be set up for another playoff run next year. So let's let's take advantage of it and get more home yeah. games. Yeah, absolutely. Home games are so damn fun. Yeah. And it's like if that game was at home last week, let's and like it's not even close. Grizz go ten and one next year. You're probably like a you're a top four seed. Yeah, if you're a young man. Find a girlfriend from Missoula so you have an excuse like to stay in Missoula 
for the first round of the playoffs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be with this girl's family, or vice versa. I mean, if there's a young gal, find a guy from Missoula and stay. Listen, I'm playing. I'm guessing our demos <laughs> is mostly men. Not all. We've got a couple of female fans. Hey, yeah, we do. We have hi, Jamie and Claudia. <laughs> who made us that? Au- Terry. Who made us the? Uh, oh, Beth. Yeah. Beth. Yeah. Terry's another one. All right. I can't believe no one made us brownies this week. I've never eaten a good brownie. Still. Oh, chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kyle Dyrud asks. Knowing Hauk's affinity for pulling players when mistakes are made, how do you feel about his decision to continue to go with Sneed when he clearly mentally wasn't there? I think we talked about this. I don't know well, if he was mentally Reject not there. the premise. I don't know uh, that he wasn't mentally there. Kyle. Is, if, unless the premise is they were confusing him and he couldn't figure out their defense. Kyle, are you related to the Diarudes from North Central Montana? Well, Kyle's not here to answer, so we'll find out. <laughs> all right, all right. He'll probably he'll tweet at us. The Virginia Diarudes. All right. Um, and Lex wants to know, how big of an impact would a cat title victory have on the in-state recruiting battle? I'm going to say zero, and here's why. Most of the battles for in-state recruits are going to end on Wednesday. So the Cats wouldn't have won a national title yet. The second thing is, and we kind of talked about this, I don't if – the, if the Grizz hadn't made the playoffs – you could make this argument in my mind that, oh, the Cats are night and day above the Grizz. I get the Cats have won four games in a row. I get that Choate is the best thing that's ever happened to anybody since sliced bread. <laughs> but I don't think a, a young man who was leaning towards the Grizz over the Cats going into it is going to be deter, dis, dissuade or deterred by the Grizz finishing in the top eight. You know how many FCS teams there are? 100 plus? 120? Yeah. Top eight? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I am secretly glad, like, the cats are kind of good. Like, I think a high tide raises all ships. Mm -hmm. The expectation for the Grizz should be deep playoff runs. And if the cats are on their game, it's going to make our staff ensure that they work hard yes absolutely yeah yeah. you know like we need to be working hard i don't want us to be like resting on our haunches like we need to go and prove ourselves good for the cats good for all those montana dudes on the cats who are going to go through this experience um i'm happy for these montana kids but you know Let's go out and beat another good team. If the cats are good, it feels so much sweeter to beat another good team. I don't like beating up on shitty cat teams. Yeah. Let's beat up on good t- good cat teams. I like that. Yeah. Yep. I like it. No, I, I'm with you. Okay. We on to the Egress questions? We're on to the Egress questions now. Well, our guy CDA was ready to pounce. Man. CDA. I want to meet this guy. Yeah. He's, it's that like, last. I, I've thought about blading a few times this I week. <laughs> Well, what came up in this thread. So Okay. So CDA once again asks you have to pick one. <laughs> Number one, the Grizz missed the playoffs in the next two years. Or two, the Grizz are guaranteed a trip to the national title game in the next two seasons, but you have to wear a thong for a year. You can wear whatever <laughs> you want over the thong. And then he puts pause. Sound easy? It's not. 
You also have to casually interject the phrase, my thong is on backwards, into business conversations once a day for a year. You can't explain it to anyone, and you can't say it as a standalone phrase. It has to be something like, yeah, I see how your client didn't include power line issue in his disclosure, so we'd like a closing credit, my thong is on backwards, of $3,000. Or, what did you think of the bonus room? My thong is on backwards. You can't laugh it off or explain. You have to act like you didn't say it. So here's the problem <laughs> with your question, because that is absolutely the answer. Wear a thong every day for a year. Um, Brent and I work in the same profession. I will just call Brent every day and not acknowledge it, but slip it in a conversation. Perfect. You, you lost this week, Coeur You lost this week. CDA. I love this question. <laughs> One, you presume I don't already wear a thong. I could be wearing a thong right now. Fair. But also... <laughs> One of my, you know, I I feel like I have a venue. Like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I teach class. And they're a captive audience. Sure. I get to tell jokes that they have to laugh at. Like three of the five days a week, I can say this. Yeah. Just non sequitur. Half of them aren't paying attention. The other half are required to giggle. Like... <laughs> Even if they don't think I'm funny, that just leaves me two days a week where I got to kind of be tricky and mumble it into a conversation. Aren't you worried about the HR department at UM being concerned about you saying Shit, it? I dare them to judge me for wearing a thong. <laughs> <laughs> this is 2019, brother. This isn't 1989. Oh, man. Yep. I'm okay. waiting for them to fire me over something stupid, right? Satisfied. Like, then I'm going to hire CDA Grizz <laughs> to represent me. I feel like he can figure out a way to get me paid. <laughs> All right. Um... West Coast fan, who I believe is a cat fan, I could be wrong, is asking if we are rooting for the cats to win the national title game. Nope. No. I want them to win next week. I do too. Yep. I want them Fair. to beat NDSU. I don't want to see them win a national championship game. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I'd be happy if they win. I'll be happy for all the Montana kids on there. And you know what? They've had a really frustrating 30 years as this is the farthest they've been since 1984. Yeah. And that's accurate before anybody fact checks me. <laughs> um, so I'd be happy for them. Am I rooting for them? I'm not going out of my way to root for them. But I think they match up well against NDSU. Yeah. Hmm. It, Except at quarterback. It would be fun because, one, I love Troy Anderson. You know, And I don't even know all their Montana kids on that roster, but I love them too. You know, for whatever reason, Montana people have irrational Montana pride. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's what makes the fan base so great. Two, I yeah. freaking hate NDSU. <laughs> yep. Shut those bitches up. Yeah. In the Fargo Dome. That'd be amazing. I honestly think if I was within like 100 miles of, of Fargo, I'd probably go to this game. Put on a blue shirt and go? No. <laughs> I'd put on a, a sure maroon shirt. Root for the cats. Um, I'd just sit alone, you know, like it. I'd, That'd be so weird. It'd be a spiteful three and a half hours. Like, 
Yes, it happens. Yeah, I'd have to go to therapy and stuff. Like, it'd be complicated. But, you know, I want to see the, the Montana kids do well. I want to see NDSU suck. But when it comes to the national championship, Montana or bust. Yeah. Sorry, I want to. If somehow both teams could lose, I wish, you know, I would, I would <laughs> wish that. There you go. Uh, Diesel, who's asked us a lot of questions, he, he asked us a couple here. We, we kind of touched on a little bit. He asked why he's wondering why QB is the only position Bobby seems to show loyalty to. Uh, his question is even at the detriment of the rest of the team. I think we kind of touched on that a little bit. Sometimes you just go with the guy that, yeah, I think it's harder. I think it's harder to replace quarterback. Like, you know, if you fumble a ball, I think it's easier to hold on to a football than it is to play quarterback. So, like, the errors you commit at quarterback, there's so much second-guessing. Sure. Like, it's like, just hold on to the damn football. Yep. So, it's it's easier to, like, not punish your quarterback and still, like, have a principle right. that you, the rest of the team can follow. Yeah. Uh, Diesel also asks if we think the better team won. Friday night. Nope. Nope. No. I don't. I mean, good power, power to them. Great win. But no, I don't. Yeah. Don't can't take anything away from them. Okay. MT Grizz asked an interesting situation. It's November 2014. What scenario do you prefer? 2014. 2014. So Mick Delaney has now retired, and we are set to hire a new head coach. Which scenario do you prefer? Number one. Hired Jay Hill instead of Bob Stitt, and he has the similar results to his Weber stint so far. Or two, hire Bob Stitt, necessitate, necessitating the return of Bobby Houck after his three Stitt's three roller coaster seasons. So basically, either hire Jay Hill and he does at Montana what he did at Weber, or our current situation. Current situation. Yeah. And here's why. You know, we've talked about how Jay Hill was available, and in retrospect, it's easy to look back. I don't know that Jay Hill has the success here he's had at Weber, because I don't think he's given the time. Mm. And I also don't think that this whole no-offense system would ever fly here, ever. Yeah, that's a good point. Brent, what do you think? I, I would lean that way, yeah. On the other side, I could... I would wonder if Jay Hill might be able to get a QB here. I don't know. I don't know why he couldn't to Weaver versus here. But he also won three games in his first season as a coach. And I think if any coach at Montana won three games in one season, um, they wouldn't be our coach anymore. So I, it would be an interesting thing to, to see unfold because if anybody – if Don Reed came back and won three games, people would want him run out of town. Um, Here's the so thing, yeah. though. I think, I think Jay Hill wins more than three games with the McDelaney no, inherited yeah. team. Yeah. I think he gets a better quarterback if he's the coach of UM because it's a lot easier to recruit here. I still take the current situation because – I think it has gravity. I think it has gravitas. I think it has like significance um, to have a Montana born and bred coach. You know, like yeah, 
it means something <laughs> that the Bobby's one of us. Like I love it. I just think it it connects. It helps our recruiting that Bobby's from Montana and Coach Chode isn't. You know, like sure. this matters in really subtle ways. Like it makes it more fun to root for a Montana guy. I would take. I would take this. I would yeah, say Coach Chode has figured out the whole Montana thing. Though. Yeah, so put that out there. Yeah. Listen, he's a good coach. Yeah, whatever. And we'll he might be going to UW. Yeah. <clears throat> Defensive coordinator. Uh, so we had Curtis ask us his silly question on Twitter. So he asked us two questions on uh, Igra's titled as question number one and question number three. I guess question number two is the one on Twitter. Question number one is if uh, CDA wins an award from us for the most creative questions. Yes, he <sighs> wins a um, visit from all of us to what I presume must be the nicest house on Coeur Lake. <laughs> so if that's not the case, uh, get working on it. Get working on it. <clears throat> well, you you, you, you don't even have to pay thing. our appearance fee. We'll just come. So question number three, and I think we kind of, we kind of floated this scenario, but what he, he says is uh, Grizz can get a drop down from a, from a power five conference or an FBS team that proves to be dominant at their position over the next two seasons. First time, first team, big sky, all American level play, but it can be one of three positions, O-line, D-line, or cornerback, which do you take? You know, that's such an interesting conversation. I mean, I think I said O-line earlier. Yeah. And so I think that's where I'm at, but Luke made a great argument for corner. Yeah. I just think that O-line is more central. to Like, look at our, look at this here. Like, we had the, what, 116th out of 118 or 22 ranked pass defense. And if we'd had better O-line play, we're in the semifinals. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think it all starts with linemen. Yeah. It all starts with linemen. Yeah, I'd look at O-line. I could see D-line as well, too, because if you could say, if you're going to suddenly – Drop in a Tyrone. You get Tyrone Holmes back at his peak performance, or a Corey Beerman back at his peak performance for two years, or something like that. Uh, that comes in from a, uh, a higher up school. I think that'd be that. That would change a lot of things. It would really help you in a lot of spots. Yes, so. I mean it really would. So it's like, you know, the, the answer is you're not going to turn down an all star from any of those positions. Yep. But okay, let's see. Luke, upon your return here, if you could get a all Big Sky Conference drop down for two years, be it O line, D line, or corner, what would be your pick? Definitely corner. I, I just, it's such an impactful position. It's so hard. I don't know. I, I shutting down the other half of the field or like one half of the field is. I don't know. It just seems irreplaceable to me. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Tremaine. Look what he did. Oh, man. Yeah. We're, we're, when can we get another Tremaine? Can we get two uh, of them, please? Two Tremaines? <laughs> Tremaine. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling because we got quotes of quotes of quotes. Okay. Um, Everett was asking uh, how upset James was after the game. Did we scream at the television? He must not have known that we were at the game. But I did. I talked to Stacy about this because obviously it was late. Yeah. And they, Stacy let him crawl into our bed and watch the end of it in our room so that he could fall asleep. And I guess 
with a few minutes left in the game, something bad must have happened. And he told Stacy, okay, you can turn it off. I'm so mad at the Grizzlies right now. I'll check the score tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Stacy said, no, we're going to watch the end of it. But apparently he (laughs) shares his dad's frustration where you can't control it. So you're just like, oh, I got to turn it off. And then you can't actually turn it off. So Everett's got a couple of good questions here. Do any of you scream at the television when the team is not throwing to your fantasy football wide receiver? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's half the reason I watch the Red Zone channel. I've found that fantasy football bliss comes when you have more than three teams. So I don't know if you guys, how many fantasy teams do you have, Brent? Four. Four? Two. Two. So with one, two, or three teams, you were were smart enough, like I'm just barely smart enough to start beginning to do like the beautiful mind calculations you know it's like okay like i need like this guy to pass for a touchdown but it can only be to this player right and actually i'm you know like this receiver i'm actually playing against in another league so it has to be a touchdown for 22 or less yards Mm -hmm. right like you can start doing this math yeah and it's maddening and it gives me a headache, and I get super frustrated because you need super specific things to happen. But if you get four teams, it's just all out the window. Every score helps like, you or hurts cool, you. Neat. And you just hit this fantasy football nirvana where you can just sit back and enjoy the games. That's true. It's very true. You're not, you're not like, oh, I got to watch this Bills-Jets game to make sure Le'Veon Bell gets 80 yards or something. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I got I got guys on every team. Yeah, Whatever. you know, so, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go right. Two teams, you're still trying to do the math. You know, three teams, you can barely do the math. But four teams, just you just, you just let it, it go. You just let the, you know. Yep. Okay, Everett, uh, biggest area of need on the 2020 team. I'm saying corner. In terms of need, yeah, like not on the roster, not need. knowing depth. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Best stake in or around Missoula. Mm. You know, I'm on 1889 right now. I've been pretty happy yeah. with every stake I've had there. Been there probably four times. Yeah. Um, you know, Lola Creek Steakhouse is always a good bet. 1889 stakes have been great. I've I tell you, I once had a steak on special at Cafe Dolce in the evening and it was delicious hmm. my funny thing i don't eat steak out in missoula a whole lot i'll eat it out all the time when we're on like realtor trips and stuff just get a good mm-hmm. steak or something but for some time for some reason missoula i don't i don't get a lot of steak when i'm out yeah i buy a i buy half beef from a local guy who has some grass-fed beef so i don't i'm like you i'm like i'm gonna cook the steak how i want it at home yeah but you know, Mike and I went recently to eighteen eighty nine and I had an amazing steak there. Before eighteen eighty nine it was Lolo Creek Steakhouse, but I'm excited to go back to eighteen eighty nine. Although we need to go back just to get the butterflies. <laughs> Same thing with you, Greg, if you're listening. Like get Greg and I we've been talking about butterflies. They have this like local butter. 
you just spread it on bread. I mean, this is like artisanal butter. Yeah, I'd go just oh, eat butter. Stuff. It's like it was hand churned by the Amish, like <laughs> you know, someone up in the Bitterroot, some weird like uh, polygamy cult is like churning butter up there. It's just so delicious. It's handcrafted, <laughs> salted. I would do oh, yeah. butter flights and beers at eighteen eighty nine, like any day of the week. Oh, that'd be great. Hit me up. GF peers, because I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> you you buy the butter. Uh, and Everett's final question: Real or fake Christmas trees? Real. Same here. Real. Yeah. It, no excuse for the fake tree. Now I should say my kids have a separate tree in the basement. And that one's fake. So I guess I'm half and half. Okay. Uh, let's see. PDX Grizzly. Hope he didn't miss the cutoff. He definitely didn't because he posted it in the evening and it's getting late. Uh, he's just wondering what the most likely position is where we recruit a drop down for. I think we've kind of covered that cornerback. Uh, and <laughs> how many beers were involved in the morning process after the loss on Friday? We were too wet. I mean, I drank one and I was just. It was a long day with the drive, and then, I don't know, we were out pretty quick. So this question is about Saturday morning? I didn't have any beers Saturday morning, I don't think. No, I didn't have any beers Saturday morning. I left the cold smoke in the in the car. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. Uh, I, think I had a few that night, but yeah. I had a bunch of fresh-squeezed IPAs <clears throat> Friday night. Because uh, the place I was drinking was out of like uh, the Montana IPAs, but sad, you know, like the week before when we beat Silu, uh, <laughs> I had a bunch of drinks, and I even made a guest appearance at Stocks, which I haven't done in. We we learned about it and considered sending out a rescue mission the next morning. <laughs> yeah, I sent some pictures. I don't remember sending, and it's probably like. You know, I was a little disappointed that I wasn't in the mood to make a repeat appearance at Stocks, but man, I had enough fresh squeezed on Friday that, you know, Saturday morning was just dark coffee for me. Yeah. Um, Final question we had, uh, D Montana Grizzlies was pointing out that a lot of people were expecting five or six losses this year, so the Grizz most definitely exceeded expectations. Do you recall? Uh, I'm I'm twisting a bit of his question, trying to read between a little bit of his lines here. But do do we recall the last time the the Grizz exceeded expectations on the season in the fashion kind of like we saw? Probably 2011. That's what I was thinking too. 11. I think 08 as well too because 07 had a lot of seniors and we lose first round of the playoffs. And we went into 08, and we didn't even know who the hell our running back was going to be. And yeah, um, we went on, and, and we were, and then we, and the first half of 08 was even kind of, we had to kick a field goal to beat Central Washington um, at the end of the game, and then we get smoked by Weber. But I, I 08, 11, those two years, I think. I, I remember in 04, everyone thought we were going to the national title in the spring. So I remember previous ones, people just had super high expectations right out the gate. I, th- I think it's important never to apologize for having high expectations, but uh, a chronic occurrence is that Grizz Fan Nation 
Yeah, maybe a little. I was going to say, enjoy it this year because next year the expectations are going to be through the roof. Next, that's a good point. All right, that's it for Igor's questions. Man, it flew by. Yeah, we're only sitting at two hours, 15 minutes. Hey. Is there a way we could do voicemail questions? You know, we've talked about this a couple times. We should figure that out because that would be a lot of fun. I would like to play the voicemails live. (laughs) We could do that. We'll figure it out. We could totally do that. So people have been asking us if we're going to continue doing the pod now that the football season, in terms of games is over and i think we tweeted this out a little bit but we've got some content and some shows and some discussions come up mike there were some things you were talking about wanting to do yep yeah i I mean i don't think you're you're not going to hear from us weekly in the same schedule that the football season allows just because it's it's a little different um but we've got some ideas um there's always football things to talk about you know we can touch on basketball a little bit but I think there's some off-season fun things to have, you know. Get some interviews with some wrap-ups on the season, you know. Um, get, like, a Coulter Duanez or, you know, one of the Missoulian guys. You know, there's some things we can do to to do some do some interesting stuff to keep you entertained. Probably not two-hour off-season pods. No, probably not. <laughs> but you never know. Uh, definitely two-hour pods. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about, but... <laughs> As someone who doesn't have a wife or kids, <laughs> Monday nights are pretty free for me. <laughs> It'll all work out just fine. Yeah. So um, we'll be doing more of that. And just pay attention because every, every almost everyone we do will ask for questions. So uh, you know, keep following us. Keep interacting. It's been a hell of a lot of fun this year. This has been great. Um, actually finding that people listen to this. I'm so. really looking forward to next year. We I maybe want to try a live show next year. Go on the road a couple times, maybe. If we're going to do once, yeah. If we're going to if we're going to try a live show during the football season, what we should just practice one sometime this spring. You know, what might be so. kind of fun is do it do a practice run like spring ball. Uh, you know, the scrimmage they usually bounce right. Like this last year, so it was in, in Kalispell. Kalispell. But they've what they've been doing is they go Kalispell then or or away and then Missoula and away. Way. And so if it's in Missoula, we could maybe try to demo something out and. Friday night before or something yeah. or or I don't know. We could tinker around with it, maybe figure something out. I like uh the spring game little cocktail hour recording. Hey. It's that'd not be bad. Fun. That'd be yeah. fun. Yeah. Especially if it's here in Missoula. I mean yeah. not not that other places would be bad, yeah. but we're just familiar with the setting. If we so weren't Missoula, somebody would have to find us a place to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've yeah. got one in Missoula. We do. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about? I'm good. All right. Well, guys, it's been hell of a season. Good run. You'll, I'm sure you'll hear from us pretty quickly after uh, signing day. If not, have a Merry Christmas. Luke, you look like you want to say something. I just want to say, I'm, I was really looking forward to going to Frisco to see my buddy Fad. He lives down near there. Oh, man. Fad. That would have been fun. Bad. But yeah. ultimately, I'm so happy about this Grizz team. It was super memorable. And uh, yeah, wouldn't take it back for anything. Hopefully, it reminds everybody to appreciate the success that we hope we're, we're going into right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Because after the last decade shows anything, it's not as easy as it looks. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad to put these last this, this last decade behind us as well, too. Had a little bit more downs and ups. And I think the future's bright. I'm looking forward to where this team's headed. 
I mean, my ups where I got married, I had a couple of kids. Football-wise, come on. <laughs> Oh All right. If we if we know you, we'll see you soon. Reach out. If not, we will talk to you next time we're we're live. To be determined. Go Grizz. Fight, Fight on. on.